Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 216 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Carrick, you see this thing I'm fiddling with here a little bit? Yeah, it looks like one of those tension relievers. You know, I never was a believer in this. I'm not a super stressed guy. But uh, this thing works. There's just some type of material in here that when you squeeze it... Satisfying? I, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'm the shit. I'm like, wow, this is great. <laughs> I'm the shit. Yeah, I'm my confidence shit. goes the, up the... like five points. It's, it's insane. Look how strong I am. <laughs> and then I have it's two. It's a mango, isn't it? I have two. What is it? it looks like a I mango. And I can just smush them together. And they, well, they don't stick as much as they used to, but yeah, these what guys stick. I don't are know. My girlfriend... She gave me, because I gave her a book a while ago, and she just suddenly gave me back that book Those. she had read. These two stress balls, She I don't remember why she said she gave them to me. She wasn't like, you're stressed. I think she was just like, hey, hey, here you go. I made these in class, I think it was. Oh, gotcha. And I was like, sure, I'll take them, and I'll just put them on my desk and I mess that, around I with them. I need to pay her to make, make me a nice yellow and black ACG one. Those, oh, dude. They actually do. They actually do work. I mean, I, I box. You got to burn it off somehow. Yeah, it's crazy. Those, it's just yeah, those like, things are relaxing. Good to fiddle with, I guess. I don't know. Um, they filled with sand. Yeah, maybe it is. I can't really shake it in here, but oh man, if this is sand. This is the softest sand of all time. It's oh, that's very moldy. Maybe it's a powder of some. It's kind. like Play-Doh's in here. Mm. Oof, Play-Doh. That's a throwback. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two sixteen of the Ham Radio Podcast. Um, for those who are new here, the uninitiated, uh, this is a little weekly gaming show, and normally I don't do this type of introduction, but uh, we've had a lot of new viewers coming in. We have about, uh, this month I gained about almost 3,000 new subs, so welcome if you're new. Uh, appreciate you hopping Excellent. on board. Uh, this is a weekly gaming podcast where we take a lot of the highlights of the news week. We're not really political here. Uh, we don't really devil, uh, dabble in drama, rather. Um, we just take stuff that we think is interesting, and we talk about it. Um, so if you are new, uh, we do have a Patreon for a dollar. You get early access to this show on Fridays, which go live every Sunday at 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on all podcast platforms like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and uh, as well as YouTube. So you can listen anywhere for free if that's your shtick. But uh, if you do choose to support us, you get early access alongside access to the Discord where you can uh, – Interact with a really great community and also post question, comments, concerns, thoughts, ideas in the patron question section. And I think we got like 20 questions this week. Like yeah, we, we have a, ton. a lot. Guilt so, works, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we guilted them. We, we guilted did. Them. We did. We gave them a little shit. Because like, yeah. I, I, I even did a little subliminal guilt trip. You know, I, I said uh, I was doing questions for, uh, was it either Borderlands or or The Outer Worlds? And I said like the patrons left zero questions about the game. They, oh, were, they wow. straight They straight up went, no, we don't have any. I was like, really, guys? I was like, you got nothing for me about these games? But hey, 
You know what? They came out strong this week, so we yep. got a lot to go through. Um, let as... me guess, Mick Fury's got the most. Does he have a list? Oh, I don't of know. 10? I, I honestly, I just oh, yeah, saw yeah, the yeah, sheer amount of names, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a good surprise when we do the show. Like, <laughs> I just want to, I want to go in spoiler free. <laughs> um, we also like to talk about projects that are upcoming in our introduction section. So, uh, for me, I've had a, a couple of secret projects underway for a while. I was just telling Carrick how I got some really good headway on one of them. Carrick, uh, honest yeah, opinion without spoilers. Cool. What do you think? It sound cool? Yeah, the one that I just want to make sure we're talking about. Yeah, the one that we literally just... Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. Like that, yeah, I I don't... Yeah, I don't want to say (laughs) any data, but yeah, that sounds very cool. Like that's the kind of stuff I love. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Hell yeah, we're sponsored by ACG, if you couldn't tell. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I made some headway in another project, but I don't want to give specifics because, like Carrick said... It just ruins the surprise, which which I should be announcing within the next month. So or good stuff. captures the uh, the disappointment when it falls apart. Because <laughs> they do. People don't realize how many projects fall apart. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it is not too hard to have a YouTube project fail. Oh god, yeah. Especially like, when like one of my projects is like it just hinges on people participating. Exactly. It's like, will you exactly. give me your time? They're like, yeah, sure, and then they never do. <laughs> yep. It's tough. Yep. You can have this great idea, uh, Carrick. On your end, any. Uh, any cool projects you working on? I know you just reviewed um, Remnant. Uh, anything yeah, else Remnant, on the horizon? Could control I'm reviewing. And then uh, Ooh, I've got control. Jesse Harlan, who is the composer of Republic Commando as well as 1313 Ooh, prior to its cancellation. Austin Wintery uh, from Journey and Abzu and all those games, the composer, as well as Justin Bell from Obsidian as uh, the composer for them, as well as Brian Edward Hill all on a podcast next Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. on my Twitch channel. Nice. So it's just a creative podcast. I'm not going to be... I don't know why I'm even there. I was telling the other guys, I'm like, these guys are so creative, I might as well just put producer and just let them talk. But Seriously. Um, I've, I wanted to get a mix. So Brian Edward Hill writes for mo- movies and TV shows as well as comics. So he does Batman comics. He does Titans, the TV show. And uh, he's done other TV shows as well as writes for Batman. So I got one comic book writer as well as these three composers. And we're just all going to sit down and be like, what's it like? And then, you know, bouncing off one another about like how they use a different medium to get, um, you know, creative force in their yeah, lives wow. and stuff like that. It's just yeah, like going to be a blast. That's like the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. It, it, what's the one a group of Avengers that are like not as cool as the main group where they're like they're there's like I, can't I, I just think of the Guardians the of the Galaxy. I don't oh know. well, there you go. There you go. It's more like that, I mean, they are technically the Avengers. Mix. They're part of the Avengers, but I just look at them and I think they're like the not cool, geeky version yeah, right, of like the, right. the typical superheroes we know. Um, That'll be this group because <laughs> they're, we're all super nerdy, and like Austin is known for in the last podcast playing as like he'd just be like, "Oh, let me play you a song," and like they're all so creative. So it'll it'll probably go off the rails, but it's it's oh, that's the be best kind of podcast though. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what we're up to. That's how you can support us. Carrick's Patreon is also in the description down below if you want to flick him a buck. And now we move on to topic one, a company that I did a study on this week, a pretty extensive video. Um, I highly recommend you check it out. It's one of my more uh, special projects, I'd call it. I wouldn't call it like a big thing, but um, 
It's one I scripted and, and researched on for a good handful of days. It's uh, about THQ Nordic. Uh, today we're covering some of the latest news from them. Uh, on August 14th, they made uh, quite a bit of acquisitions. Uh, dare I say they went on a shopping spree. So let's talk about their multiple new acquisitions. Uh, they added some smaller studios and investment partners, and, and their empire grows. Um, the first one is Milestone SRL, formerly known as Graffiti. Uh, they're an Italian-based developer, and they made the MotoGP series, which is still around to this day. Um, and I believe that was around when I was a kid, too. Yeah, MotoGP. Wasn't that uh, PlayStation 1? Yeah, I, I, I think it was PlayStation 2. I might be mixing it up with MTV, or uh, not MTV, uh, um, Moto versus oh, ATV. Oh, GP or whatever. Oh, oh Moto versus ATV. Yeah, Something they're, like they're that. around still, too. Yeah, yeah th- those were ones I used to play a lot as a kid. Um, let's see, who else did they acquire? Uh, joining Milestone under the Cock Media banner, uh, banner rather, are Gunfire Games. Um, so for those who didn't know, they worked together on Darksiders 3, which they deemed a success. Originally, they said the game did well enough, or it met their expectations, and then they, they pronounced it a success. So uh, Darksiders 4 is technically coming in a strange way, uh, that being Darksiders Genesis, which looks like a Diablo-style game, but it does not have loot at all. It is just a pretty simple beat-em-up, over-the-head-style game. Um, yeah, yeah. And... um I don't know. I'm not super excited about that. I was hoping for more of a <laughs> higher investment version of Darksiders 3 because Darksiders 3 had so much potential. Um, I was one of the people who who liked a lot of the ideas there, a lot of the structure of the game, but I felt like the, the tech wasn't there and it was it was yeah. very, very much last gen. Not in a good way. Like You can see smaller budgets on games like a Vampire, but this one looked like it got constricted in some of the wrong ways. Like There, there wasn't good management there. Um... Finally, THQ Nordic has acquired video game investment company Goodbye Kansas Game Invest. Uh, alongside that, they picked up the contract of five early-stage development studios, Palindrome Interactive, Fall Damage, Neon Giant, Cavalry, and Frame Bunker. And on top of all of that, they secured the royalty rights to the upcoming adventure title, Biomutant. That was probably their biggest get for me. You think so? Just popularity-wise, yeah. Popul- that game, <clears throat> it's all I ever hear in the Discord. Like, whenever somebody says, what game are you looking forward to? A mm-hmm. lot of people seem just really lit on fire for that game. For I have not watched so, a lot of it. I remember seeing the concept for it of, wasn't it you could sort of transform into anything you want, and it was RPG-style, exactly. something along those lines. And, and it was animals and DNA, basically. Yeah. So you could take in animal DNA. And yeah, it sounds awesome. Uh, I Like mm-hmm. I said, I have not watched recent gameplay that i believe they just showed at gamescom uh that was something i never had a chance to catch i was too busy watching spongebob battle for bikini bottom but the reason we really wanted to talk about all these thq nordic acquisitions was uh less of the notable acquisitions they made to me i think the biggest one was was gunfire games um but but more so that they're just building this insane amount of of developers around the world and I want to pick your brain because, like I said, I did a whole study on it, so I'll be a little more quiet for this segment. Um, why do you think they have this approach to um, just buying everything under the sun, really? Like, if there's a profit to be made, even small, um, that they, they want in on that. Um, why do you think they have this approach? Do you think it's just to keep their name in the minds of gamers? Because, you know, sometimes there's small acquisitions, like we note here, 
fall damage palindrome interactive you know right. I, i'll be honest and say i've never heard of these people but at the same time they've got like the nickelodeon brand they've got now gunfire games with darksiders which is as we just learned a successful series um we have destroy all humans i mean they, they have their hands on a lot of really strong ip but yet they still keep going for these small fish too and i want to know why like what do you think about that and why do you think they take this approach so I'm hoping they're taking the approach um, for making it so that if they have three or four failures, but just one good success, that'll, you know, like Bounce it'll it even out. out the boat so that we don't have what you and I talked about prior to the podcast, which is a dev who mm. is doing well and they've got one or two major failures and that's the end of the dev. And we just see the dev crumble and there's yep. many devs that have crumbled that way. Um, my hope is that my I do worry a little bit because the person, the, the brothers buying it are both investors. And usually what they do is they build and then sell. Mm-hmm. And so then you've got this idea of who would they sell? If they get too big, who would they sell to without splitting it up? Which would then be another disaster because you have a dev working for one group and then suddenly for another. Um, but it would be many years, hopefully. So my, my uh, overall, I would say short term, it seems to me like they're just going on a make a little money from, you know, double A, I guess you would consider most of those guys double A's and it's like make some money here and there do pretty well feed it back in and sort of make a publisher that doesn't have to worry about one big success or lack of success like a um anthem or something would you so put uh, destroy all humans in the in the triple a realm it, i struggle with that one because it's such a big name it's such a big title but it is a full-on remake of such a big game yeah. I, I i just don't know if it's the record like how recognizable that franchise is that makes me want to consider it triple a but when i watch the gameplay i'm like this looks sharper than anything they've put out there i think it's just a really popular double a yeah if that makes sense you know no, what i mean? like, i agree got... i think sometimes that can get conflated and and i i yeah. even struggle sometimes to you know split that hair <laughs> and i think also it comes down to what somebody says they're excited for is a lot different than what they buy and what somebody says they won't buy is a lot different than what they will. Because we've seen people say, I'll never buy that game. And then you see them playing it on their fucking Xbox gamer tag or whatever. And you're like, dude, come on. <laughs> yeah. So I think also what people are saying and how excited people are, that'll go up and down depending on how close of a remaster it is. I did watch some Gamescom stuff of that game. And I was shocked. I, I got to say, I was actually a little embarrassed because people, they were asking the developers questions about the remake. Mm-hmm. And one of the first questions was probably the most brain dead question i'd ever heard it's a remake we know what the game's about and they're like have you made it so you can enter every single building and it dawned on me just how how much how the the lack of like forethought on the gamer who asked that where that came from because that's not what that game's about it's yeah. not and then it dawned on me that's what's about destroying the shit <laughs> It's currently popular, though, to go into every... Like, it's sort of like when you and I go, this game's only 25 hours, there's nothing wrong with that. But everybody's like, 60 hours for this game over here, so every game's got to be 60. Every game has to have open buildings, because this one has open mm-hmm. buildings. It's like, that's not what that game's about. So hopefully they'll get by that, and it won't just be old fans. Because if you sell to old fans, um, just by the laws of people dying, you will have less old fans alive now than were alive when that fucking came out and were right. fans at that time. So right. if you just contain that little time segment of people buying, I hope they get new fans. I hope they show people like, yeah, it's a remaster, but kind of thing. It's like, yes, it's a remaster, but it looks as good as 
close to as good as like yeah i'd love game. to see them take the approach maybe of uh, uh another uh, remastered i got announced there in gamescom which was the yakuza collection they did three four right. and five and they confirmed that each of those games are i don't know if it's each of those games i know three has all of its missing content there though and yeah, um right. that's really exciting for u.s based audiences because awesome. what we got in uh i forgot what year it came out I think the it was ps3 in... remake yeah um, a lot, a lot of people were kind of disappointed with that game because it, it was missing a lot of why people wanted the title to come over in the first place. Um, so it'd be really neat if Destroy All Humans said, like, "Hey, we had this type of stuff cut; these guns cut, um, or right. these skins were cut." Because I know there's going to be skins in the game. They did say that because there's pre-order bonuses for skins. Um, so I, I do wonder if maybe they'll be able. You to You mean say, like a, a alien skin, <clears throat> like a, a free, like alien? an outfit that they, they can wear? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, did, I didn't catch that. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I just I wonder if um, they'll they'll be able to like say hey we're adding this new gun in we're adding this new vehicle in that you can use and absolutely destroy humans with it I, I think that would be a smart move on their behalf because that that always it were, I always think of Skyrim Special Edition that's like that pinnacle remaster for me which did not do that thing to send it over the top it's it's yeah. got the best ver- it created rather the best version of the game in both of our opinions which was on the Switch. But at the same yeah. time, uh, there, there wasn't that feeling of, like, we added this, this, and that. It was just, here's Skyrim ported with a new name to create some sizzle. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think with Destroy All Hum- Humans, I don't know how originally, how long it took, but mm-hmm. when you're up against all these games that do take a long time or are super big, they do have to sort of nail it somehow to get gamers to go, I definitely want that. Get- Ghostbusters has to do the same, and it sounds like they're trying as well, the Ghostbusters remake. Yeah. They're, like, talking yeah. about things. So the companies are aware of it, for sure. They're aware that the competition is redonkulous right now. Yeah. Like you got you got to imagine a good reason they're bringing it back is because uh, it's a different time period. I mean, Destroy All Humans was very successful back in, I think it was 2005, um, and I think a big reason for that was it was just crazy fun. Yeah. And yeah. I think nowadays with streaming and how social media works and, and how word of mouth spreads so fast that um, you could share that fun immediately. It. You don't, yeah, you don't have to capture a specific moment. That's very f- easy to find a fun moment in destroy all humans as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I, I think this is a game that can easily find some success nowadays. Um, but it also explains why you're seeing a lot of franchises come back. Uh, and sadly why some are missing. I always talk about death row um, that's that game I told you about with the discs, which was also like mm-hmm. a, a 3d fighting game. And, uh, how I, I still strongly believe that is a game that would work so well nowadays, but, um, it just released at the wrong time. Um, yeah. and so it's, it's cool to see them try, for example, destroy all humans again and say like, Oh, let's see if this clicks with people, which I really think it will. Yeah. I, I, I hope it's also priced right. Have we seen the price? Is it 40? <sighs> Uh, you know, that's a great question. Let's look that up now. I know the collector's edition price is freaking ridiculous. Uh, let's see here. Destroy all humans. Oh my God. Now I know what you mean by the collector's edition. Somebody mentioned that in the discord, that Mm -hmm. it was a redonkulous cost. All right. So Mm -hmm. no, this is the original port. This is the port that came out on the PlayStation store itself. Um, $40. Okay. Now that's, that's strange. I've never seen that before. Wow. They had the game from the PS2, okay, in the PS2 to PS4 section on the PS4 store. Uh, they mm-hmm. had that for $20. So you can access that, or you can get this remake coming out for $40. For 40 Very interesting. I've actually never seen that before. Usually they just eliminate the options so that you have to buy this to experience more uh, Destroy All Humans. 
Um, let's see if we can find that collector's edition price. I, I want to, because I think it was two eighty or something. Yeah, I, I thought it was like it was three the, something. Was it? it I, I, think I so. just know that somebody was mentioning it was definitely in triple digits of a high number. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, really? It's saying on GameStop the DNA collector's edition is one hundred fifty. Yeah, there's one, though, that comes with, like, either a UFO. Is that one come with a UFO? There's one that comes with a toy, and I remember people Let's were... see. This comes with a premium box, original game, crown your display case with the 9-inch, 23-centimeter cow, crypto cow <laughs> figure. Relax your trigger finger after a long day of disintegrating humans with our patented eye-popping anti-stress toy. Wow, speaking of, that's... Well, speaking of anti-stress toys. <laughs> that is too funny. Uh, show your keys who's boss with our stylish keychain. Marvel at the detailed depictions of alien mayhem on six glorious lithographs. Change crypto's in-game appearance with all skins available at launch. Uh, 160 is not as bad as... It must be a different game that we uh, that um, I could have sworn Discord I saw a three hundred dollars version. There was version. a really expensive version of a game coming out, so yeah. one sixty is is high. Obviously, uh, I wouldn't buy it. But if it comes with a nine inch toy, if you go look at a nine inch, so I have friends that collect the you know like a Iron Man figurine mm. or whatever. Dude, a nine inch figurine it. by itself is eighty bucks. Okay, found it. Sorry, don't mean to interrupt you. <clears throat> no, go for it. This comes from PCInvasion.com. Destroy All Humans, staggering $400 Crypto 137 edition has a creepy alien backpack. Yeah, uh, wow, what the hell? Uh, the Crypto 137 edition comes with more items if you can handle the shock. Uh, not only does it include the Crypto backpack and game, you can also get the Keygen, Lithograss, eye-popping st- stress toy, a premium box, every in-game Crypto skin. Um... Uh, Let's see here. It's just a backpack. <laughs> wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it's literally just the backpack on top of everything we mentioned earlier. Weird. For four hundred for a backpack for four hundred dollars. Better be bulletproof or something. I was better, gonna say that backpack better, better. Give, you, <laughs> give you wings or I don't know, be a cooler, you know, for beer or whatever. Yeah, that's that's actually incredible. It also makes no sense. One of the things that bothers me is it. Ma- it also makes no sense, really, with you know the collector's editions you're getting. Toys do. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody wants a collector toy. That makes sense. Um, I got the Mortal Kombat head. I didn't buy it. I got it from them for their whatever their um, you know PR. Yeah. And I can see somebody liking that. I don't. I think it's revolting. It's, it's <laughs> creepy. I have a scorpion head just sitting on my counter. I'm like trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, <laughs> It, depending on what it is, I think it's definitely, you know, it, it, it's like it makes more sense. That doesn't, but we'll mm-hmm. see. It, does it look cool? Does the backpack, like, have no. a design? Like a, hmm. it just, yeah. It's actually not even a – like, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, like, a normal backpack. It's like an mm-hmm. alien whose arms drape over your your shoulders and, like, hold on to you. It looks like an alien's, like, grabbing onto you and holding onto you from the back. Okay, then. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's not for me. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't it's for know. many of us. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. It's probably for that fan who's in their 30s, 40s, who played the game, has that disposable income, and maybe they have a kid and they want to give the kid the... I don't know. I don't know. I can think of a lot of things. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're considering buying that $400 collector's edition, let us just impart some advice to you that the new console generation is upon us next year, and I can guarantee that more than half of that can go towards a new system, which you will then get extensive use out of. So just keep that in mind, folks tip from your friendly neighborhood maddie and carrick all right that's crazy let's talk about cyberpunk so it was announced uh just a few days ago that a cyberpunk 2077 gameplay live stream is happening on august 30th <clears throat> sorry i have to clear my throat a little bit of phlegm there 11 a.m pacific time uh the presentation features 15 minutes of what the developer has been showing at gamescom as well as additional information about the game Pacifica, different play styles, and more will be discussed. For those who don't know, Pacifica is a region in the open world. Uh, the reason it's 15 minutes compared to what we saw, or what we heard about, rather, at E3, where folks were putting out impressions videos of about an hour of gameplay that they saw, yeah. is uh, uh, CD Projekt Red wanted to avoid major spoilers. So that kind of made me happy that I ended up not going and checking that out. That was one of the reasons I, I considered going to, to E3. But uh, I'm, I'm glad now I didn't because I don't want that game really getting spoiled for me. But uh, obviously here on the channel, we cover a lot of RPGs. You can expect me to, to go all in on that gameplay live stream. I, I thought about making a video talking about this, but I'm like, what am I going to say? There's uh, Here's an announcement of announcement. Uh, yeah. So short short time frame, though. 15, I mean, I get that they don't want to show uh, spoilers. That makes total sense. 15 minutes is short, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you think about it, they gave us 44 off the rip. Another 15, that's over an hour of just raw gameplay sitting out there for you to really learn about the game. And obviously, I think we'll get one more batch prior to the launch of the title. Um, I don't know when a good time for them would be to drop it would be. Maybe the Video Game Awards, but I imagine this won't be the last of the gameplay we see. But they did say... It's strange. Right. You know, It's really strange because they said they wanted to stretch their resources out, which is why they were waiting until after Gamescom to show this. And then they ended up editing that, which required more work to show the public a very specific part of the gameplay. I thought that was kind of backwards compared to what they originally said. If they're doing a 15-minute one, I mean, the only reason to do a Twitch live stream is that you want to really show something. So my (laughs) hope is, is that they show something new no one's expected. So, you know, you only do want to show 15 minutes if it's a new feature. I don't Mm -hmm. know what that new feature would be. But it would be cool if they were like, here's one new thing. It doesn't have to be something massive, but where your 15 minutes is like, oh, shit. You know, versus maybe 15 minutes of this, of, of just continued gameplay we've seen before. Yeah. So it would be cool to see what they... Because I don't think a company usually says, let's do an entire live stream for a 15-minute video. Um, unless there's something, like, really cool to show. And they've been pretty good at hitting, mm-hmm. like, the bumps. You know, like, we're going to show this. Obviously, Keanu was a big deal. It's like we're going to show this and this. Maybe they'll show a little bit more of him or something, you know, like something to get people just continually talking about it, which they've been very good at. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, I think the the reason they're also doing a live stream is because they're going to be sitting down and, and probably answering questions afterwards. Yeah. I, I've, I've never heard of just like a straight 15-minute live stream. Just upload the video on YouTube at that point. So the, I think the developers are definitely going to be sitting down and I think they actually did confirm that the developers are going to be sitting down and, and talking a little bit about additional information. Um, now the the write up mentioned different play styles. Um, mm-hmm. We saw a little yeah. bit of that in the initial gameplay reveal already. 
I'm more interested about uh, this new region of the world because we saw a good chunk of it um, in the initial gameplay where it was more urban, you know, street mm-hmm. to street, uh, the start of the game. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious what the Specifica is like. It sounds very much on, like, the, the ocean side. Let's see if I can find yeah, some like information w- on Yeah, like wharf it. areas or something like that. And I'm sure they discuss it in the role-playing game. Uh, another thing is, uh, I think his name's Goldsmith, Pondsmith, Pondsmith, the original creator of Cyberpunk. Yeah, Mike Pondsmith. He's, yep. he's going to be in the game, too, which is cool. Mm, yes, he is. So, they, yeah, they didn't really say. I don't think they really indicated as what I would assume an NPC or something, you know, bartender, something like that. So, that would be cool. I was wrong. Pacifica is, according to the Cyberpunk Gamepedia page, Pacifica is the most dangerous part of town, abandoned mm. and overrun by gang activity. Separated from the rest of the city, it's a place of immense poverty. Originally, it was going to be a fancy place of hotels and malls, but investors pulled out and left it abandoned. This caused the abandoned hotel to become the black market place. Cool. Um, yeah, wow. And then for Cyberpunk 2020, it says Pacifica is Section G, beach city on the coast, known for the best seafood in Night City and home of uh, Playland by the Sea. Uh, the place is protected by the Militech security contract, meaning it is a fairly safe place. So, two versions. Uh, oh, but the the, ver- the first one I read, it says, this article is a stub. Um, you can help um, Cyberpunk 2077 yeah, by expanding it. So, um, yeah, so that, the, the first one is more geared towards 2077. Um, and you can actually I- see there were screens that were released... Uh, throughout this this whole week, actually, um, yeah. that were that were little screens of Pacifica. I'm looking at them now, and I, I see palm trees. Um, it does look very dusty. Uh, looks run down. You can see a lot of like tents pitched in what seems to be kind of like a homeless area. Um, yeah, it's got a very like West Coast vibe to it, but yet it's it's got like a, it's it's a homeless section here as well. Um, yeah, which is pretty cool because the other stuff they've shown us has pretty been fairly urban. Yeah, exactly. So you this, know, this, this does look different. It does look like a truly different sector of the city. It's interesting though because I'm seeing all these palm trees, but at the same time here, I'll, I'll drop what I'm looking at in the chat so you can take a peek oh, okay. as well. Um, it's funny though because I, you still see just tons of buildings everywhere. It's very much like LA, honestly. Like it, it's just these trees are just popped up everywhere. You see, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I don't even see any water, um, which is quite interesting. Definitely looks all beat up and stuff. That'll be cool. It, it'll also be. I mean, I mean, obviously most games do this, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see what missions you'll get from the people there versus the more urban areas. Good point. You know, like or you know, if you go into the super nice city areas, what kind of mission? You know, where do you need to go? How do you need to go about it? Like, mm-hmm. do you need to role play more versus just light it up with your M16? Or, and then these will you be taking on other gangs? Yeah, yeah. That's, will you get attacked by? Cool. We'll go full Far Cry on you and attack you every five seconds because you're in a dangerous <laughs> area. Let's hope. Let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope not. As far as man, as as far as we can go away from the quick twitch NPC, the better. Oh, God, the quick yeah. twitch NPC. Honestly, if I'm quick twitch, that makes sense. But like Red Dead, you would bump your horse into somebody, and fucking the entire city. <laughs> yeah, would the just whole light town on fire. would be like, "Get out of here! You're under arrest." Yeah, dude, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. So I would love it if they they calm that down a little bit. Maybe just 
threats your way if you're doing something stupid versus physical, you know, the instant gunfire of mm-hmm. Far Cry. I don't want that, man. I man, I hope I'm I, I'm going to assume they won't do that. I'll, I'm just going to go there because I they oh. didn't really do it in no. Witcher. So I don't think they'll do it here. It seems like why The Witcher was so great and what seems to be so great about Cyberpunk is there's like this set of rules in the universe that keep it believable, but like doesn't allow it to go so far off track. Sorry, I hit the mic. It doesn't go so far off track, though, that um, you'll have moments like that where, where Rockstar games are... I mean, it's why it's popular. You know, you, you will bump into someone and you will have that yeah. organic interaction, um, which, which one of my highlights of Red Dead Redemption 2, I'll always remember, was... I bumped into someone, and it was the sheriff, and and he had to walk me out of town. It wasn't just, like, a simple bump in. Like, I taunted him afterwards and whatnot just to see what would happen. And he actually, like, instead of just pulling his gun, he's like, you know, come on, follow me. And I ignored him. He's like, I'm going to give you the count of three. If you don't follow me, like, you know, I'm going to have to arrest you. And then, like, I just walked out of town with him, and then he, like, said something when he kicked me out. He said, don't come back for a while now. And, like, you know, I had to wait a while before I felt like I should be able to come back. It was... Yeah, an organic that's moment. cool. And those those games are kind of built off of that. But I like how uh, I think the reason RPGs are so good is because there is that rule set there, um, and yeah. it's about how can you break the rules essentially. So we'll yeah, see. I mean, and also I just think they're they're gonna have to make it um, feel different, even though it's all cityscape. So mm-hmm. my hope is that yeah, if if this is more dangerous, then maybe the bumping into somebody. You know, you get a couple threats, almost like the sheriff, but there they pull a gun if, if you continue to be an ass. And yeah. then you go into the city, maybe, and bumping into people's normal in a city. You go into a major city, as you know, you live in one, you bump into people all the fucking... And sure, people are assholes, but most of the time they're not oh all pulling God. guns. So it's like, it would be sort of cool if you had different social rules, even. I would love that. I don't think I've ever seen a game that took different social rules into account in different locations. It'd be very cool to be in the urban areas bumping into people and they're just like, hey, fuck you, man. But then you go to that, you know, you go to this down and out place, there's less people, but when you do bump into them, they take it personal. It'd be fun It'd be fun to see the dichotomy there. Yeah, like a different reaction based off where you mm-hmm. are. I feel like you'd see that more in a Rockstar game because I, I, I think if I remember correctly in the original Cyberpunk gameplay, there like you had to kind of cut through a crowd and you, it was sort of like typical first-person walking through a crowd like you just kind of were like clipping or like hitman where he just sort of smooth yeah yeah you're sort of just sidestepping everybody so we'll see in due time uh that'll be next week on uh when is the 30th i think the friday yes a week from today as we record this so um we'll be talking about it on the podcast you'll like it's gone forever or maybe you it's know, just me. Yeah, I, no, no, I'm with fuck, you. I think it's man. because, for me, it was mainly because... Keep you know, talking, I'm grabbing some. No, you're good. Uh, for me, it was mainly because July was such a slow month for my channel, and I, I had played The Outer Worlds in the middle of July, and I couldn't upload anything for it until oh. August. So for me, the end of July into this month, and then I had the Borderlands 3 event, and then I was away where, where it's been very... And I've been working on this project. Like, I've had my head in a million and one places. Like, it's been such a... A snail's pace, which I actually have liked because, you know, when you're doing that many things at once, you're usually like, where the hell did the time go? But I feel like I've managed it well. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it it's has gotten just, pretty slow, though. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It, and maybe it has also been a little slow for mine because I haven't done too many reviews or something like that. But well, it just feels yeah. like when you said the 30th, I was like, next Friday? Seriously? It feels... <laughs> I'll also, I have something to look forward to in October, now that I think about it. Whenever I look forward to shit, it takes longer. Oh, yeah. So that might be it, too. Yeah. So now that I think about it, that might be it. Too. No, that's the thing. I think it feels slow because 
I, I would I would be one of the few people I feel to say that so far 2019 hasn't been like the greatest year for gaming. Like it's not a bad year by any stretch of the imagination. There's been a number of great titles like Resident Evil 2 Remake comes to mind for me and a lot of folks. But like, you know, I haven't had like last year where I played a game and I was like, yes. Oh my right. God, yes. Like I, the be- my favorite game of this year right now is Dragon Quest Builders 2. I just beat it recently but like that's obviously it's a really fun game it's a really cute game it's got charm there's a reason i really like it but that number one right now is on any other year in the past like i'd say three to four is probably a number four or five like it's not a definitive number one like and number two rage two it's one of the most fun games i've played but um you know as time has gone on i i know that game could definitely get like moved around a list pretty easily you know none of those are really set in stone it's been a weird it's been a weird year. Yeah. I like a lot of the games, but I don't love many of them. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that's why I think it's feeling slow because the fall is really our I don't want to say our hope because I'm not disappointed, but our the fall looks like the part of the year where it's like, okay, we got Borderlands, we got the Outer Worlds, um we got the new Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Like we got so much stuff going on uh big games. It's like, okay, maybe we'll actually see something that makes us go, "Wow." Like that's what yeah. that's what yeah. I've been looking for. Um or Death Stranding, which we'll talk about right now, Carrick. So, Death Stranding uh, got a pretty significant look. I wouldn't even call it significant, but um, we got a lot more than we usually did for Death Stranding uh, at Gamescom. Yeah. A number of trailers. One was explaining the baby, which uh, seems to be this source of connection. I, I will pull up a article right up that, that sort of explains what the game's about. Um, in the meantime, but uh, we learned that you could pee and that you couldn't see Norman Reedus's dick. Uh, they spent some real stage time actually c- clarifying that. Clarifying it very clearly, yeah. Which I thought was one of the weirdest things. Um, they showed Jeff Keeley was uh, a model in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed you scaling a cliff using a ladder. Um, and they showed your character falling off this kind of cliff and and with some of the worst physics i've ever seen in a triple a game too by the way when he falls did you see that video yeah yeah when he absolutely. falls he like it's bad i'm hoping the rest of the game isn't like that um but uh, yeah i mean i don't i don't know i have no clue what's going on in the game i like p you p to save if you all pee on the same or if like multiple characters or something pee on the same mushroom something magical happens he said like there i mean i was just reading this or, or sorry watching this the entire time i i be honest i uh, for me i left much less interested in death stranding than i had been 100 prior and um, it, it it really was not a good showing also jeff Keeley, i just want to add he's added as a model i was fairly disappointed he was not the voice actor that was he strange yeah, he Matt wasn't Mercer for him but it was Right, and I don't think Jeff Keighley has... You know how some people have a voice that you identify and go, that's blah, 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 that's yeah. this person? He I don't think Jeff that. Keighley's... He doesn't, and I would have loved... I mean, I know he's a fan, so you know what? If you're going to put him in your game, I would have much rather had it be Jeff Keighley in a way. Like, I'm... You know, just that's him. Face. Yeah, like Mass Effect 3 had Jessica Chobot, right? Yeah, as the reporter yeah, yeah, yeah. who goes in your ship. It was her voice. It was her face and body. It's like It was her, yeah. I found it odd that they, they, and maybe he just isn't a very good voice actor, which is fine, but yeah. I would have liked it for him as a fan. 
So, uh, Shinobi602, friend of the show's guest a couple of times, um, he actually posted a uh, article from GamesRadar, and, and the tweet from Shinobi says, I understand more about that Stranding in two paragraphs than I have in the past three years. Um, so, I'm going to read that because it helped me yeah, understand it a little bit, and I think it could propel our discussion a little bit. Um, and I'll, I'll express some of my disappointment in, in the presentation itself later on. Uh, the thing that really stood out to me was just how simple the game is at its core. Death Stranding is a game about walking, as Sam Porter Bridges, or as you probably know him, Norman Reedus, trapped in an unca- in the Uncanny Valley. Uh, you are tasked with walking from the east coast of America to the west, reactivating various communication nodes along the way in an effort to spread a message of hope to a nation that has become fragmented and disconnected, taking the idea of unity to pockets of isolated popula- uh, isolated populace that trades in ambivalence rather than love. That is Death Stranding. And so you will walk, you will retrace the steps of Emily, daughter of the President of the United Cities of America, who embarked on her own east-to-west journey with a convoy sometime before the game kicks into gear. She did this in an attempt to establish a network of communication relays across the country, a network that could deliver a message of unity from her mother, Bridget, who also happens to be on Death's Door. That message is that every problem in the world needn't be solved by force. Instead, it is the it is hope that can bring us all together. So that seems so. The main plot line, I'm assuming, will be uncovering what happened to her because she obviously wasn't successful. Yeah, but you know Follow. what? That I'm look. I know it's not going to be this bad, but you know what? It does kind of remind me of like following the footsteps of someone uncovering what happened years ago. Fallout 76. What? I'm sorry, it really. <laughs> oh, does Fallout 76 have that? Is it's yeah? Uh, you kind of follow the the footsteps of the overseer from the vault, and you you literally like trace their adventure and do what they couldn't. And and this narrative oh. structure, um, it doesn't sound as bad, but like it's it, uh, structure wise, like I said, it, it sounds really reminiscent of that. And like I don't want folks to understand me because while I'm not the biggest Kojima lover uh, of his games, rather uh, I don't mind him as a person. I'm saying, um, yeah, I I. I don't think his story will be as bad as that, but um, I just want to make sure folks know I'm, I'm seeing a bit of a connection there. I, I think what I saw, you know, we have seen a little bit of combat at one time in a different trailer where they were swinging stuff, and, like, it was even hard to understand what was going on there. The we shooting. saw the motorbike shooting. We saw the motorbike. We saw the ladder. Um, we also see these really open, green, almost Scottish-looking fields all the time with, like, always the mountains on the edges and, like, him in the in the grass and stuff like that uh it it does feel like it's going to be one of those games that i think a lot of people are just going to find boring not because it is boring it it, it may be for a lot of people but i mean i it is if it's about walking it's going to be him trying to get you to emote through that or trying to emote through those characters make you feel something i could see about how you explore rather than what you discover and what it's like being alone other than this baby because that's really what it seems like is Redis for the most part is alone or being attacked and sometimes talking to people on computers. So it might be one of those solitary titles and there are really good solitary. I mean, near automata is sort of lonely when you play that game, even though you you have the, yeah. And you've got the little town with a couple people in it, but it's like, it is just sort of you and your companion. That's what it feels like. This is you. I also think of uh, shadow of the Colossus, you know, very lonesome title there. Did you also notice that the baby um, is basically a car alarm? I, I brought it up in my stream, and people got so mad. They were like, it is, but it's a car alarm. So you bump the baby too loud, and he literally cries like a car alarm goes, whoop, whoop, whoop. The baby yeah. literally goes, whoop, whoop, whoop. And then you have to shake it to 
which is creepy all by itself, but you basically mm-hmm. have to shake its fluid to get it to calm down. I literally, it's going to yeah, be Yeah, I, I was watching that part of the stream, and I, I said uh, when I was watching it, Live on Twitch, I, I said, I, I bet there are parents right now watching this and going, if only it were that easy. <laughs> just yeah, no shit, shake right? Shake a kid and go, if, okay, he's done crying. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I swear to God, it looked almost like he, Norman was breastfeeding the baby by plugging him into a suit. Like, there's, it's going to be, I have a feeling for a lot of people, it's just going to be too far out there. Like, mm-hmm. legit too far out. Not even hating it, just being like, what in the hell is even occurring right now? Yeah, and and I think that's why Metal Gear was allowed to get a little weird at time because even if you didn't like that part, you could still get involved in the, the exactly. gameplay. And I don't yep. think this game has that gameplay to carry it. And um, I imagine it's going to be <clears throat> a lot like Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, I don't know if anyone else shares this feeling that I have, but uh, that was my game of the year last year. I still stand by it. Still love that. It was an experience, though. I don't go back re- back to Red Dead Redemption 2 because the way the story was delivered, how step-by-step it was, very methodical. It was a very long 80-hour adventure. And look, I've replayed really long games before, but this one was, uh, the way the story was delivered, it was not like I need to go back and experience that yeah. again, right? It, it was right. like that was an experience, and I will always carry that with me because it was a good experience. It was a great experience. Um, and I, I feel Death Stranding may be that. It is an experience, uh, yeah. if it's good. And the reason I give that benefit of the doubt is, is it, it is Kojima. And while I may not be the biggest fan of all of his games, like a lot of people are, I know you build that pedigree for a reason, and um, that people, not everyone's just blindly following it. But I will say, I'm in the same page as you, or on the same page as you, rather, uh, where I walked away from Gamescom less interested in this game. I thought yeah. the first yeah. eight-minute trailer... Uh, that they posted a little a couple months ago really got me involved. I was like, okay, like I'm actually I'm interested. Like I felt like there were the right teases there to get me intrigued in the universe and get me involved, but um, not keep me but keep me clueless enough to know that the full game will deliver hopefully something that explains everything. Um, but when I saw this man, I just couldn't help but get pissed. Um, and I want to know if you feel the same way on one aspect because. Uh, like I just went on a, a little bit of a monologue about, I, I know Kojima deserves his love and his care. Um, a lot of that love spawned from his games. Uh, a lot of that was uh, fueled further by the whole situation with Konami, which was super sure. unfortunate and, and awful. Yeah. And we're, we're all happy he's out of there and he's doing better for himself. Um, and, and there was really a rally around Kojima at that point, but it feels like the page hasn't turned. And the reason I mention this is because you see during this Gamescom presentation with Jeff Keighley that 25 developers hit that stage and each of them were introduced business as usual. Here's this person. Here's yeah. that person. And when it came yeah. to Kojima, first he entered the building, there was an announcement. And then when he hit the stage, it was a big trailer introduction and then a huge like everyone get up, everyone scream. And Look, like I said, I don't want anyone to think I'm taken away from Kojima here. I don't want anyone to think I don't like this guy. I don't want anyone to think he doesn't deserve it or I wish worse on him. I just wish that there was that same level of love and respect given to all the developers because while Kojima works hard, so does every single one of these people in the industry. I don't think anyone wakes up and goes, and especially all those games that hit the stage, uh, there were a lot I was not interested in, especially Predator Hunting Grounds, but I don't think any of those people that came out to talk about their games were were, were less uh, hardworking than Kojima. Um, maybe they didn't have the same story of, of, of uh, escaping the, the shackles of Konami, um, certainly not. And yes, you know, you, you earn a higher position because of all the great games you deliver. But, uh, 
I just really was put off by the delivery uh, and announcement that he was coming into the show and how there was this clear bias. And uh, it makes me nervous for the initial game itself because yeah, uh, everyone was bandwagoning onto that, which, fine, you like the guy. Once again, I'm not. my goal is not to take away from it or ruin anyone's happiness or fun time or, or, or appreciation of the, the art he has created, but it's more so to shine a light that now you have to worry about a bump for this game when it comes out because we already don't know much about the gameplay and what we have seen in the gameplay looks weird. The story obviously does not seem... Uh, or does seem rather uh, very interesting, but we don't know how sense how much sense it will make. And, and so you have to wonder, will these people be the same people who are going to give it a bump of a point or two because it's Kojima, because of their love for him, because of their game for him? Because I can tell you what right now, if uh, anyone else was working on a title like Death Stranding and it was this vague and this confusing, uh, you'd see a lot of people being like, uh-oh, this game's a mess. Uh-oh, uh, another yeah. poor showing. I just... I don't know. It's something that's really irked me for a while, and it's something that I wanted to make a video on, but I'd rather wait for Death Stranding to come out, play it myself, make a critique of it, and see how the rest of the industry responds to this game. Uh, Not where I'm sitting there hoping this game is bad, but rather, if it's not, if I play it and I'm like, this isn't as great as its previous works, and you go around and you see like what you saw with Metal Gear Solid 5, where it got tens across the board, even though a lot of people were like, hey, there's missing content, the story's not complete, um, the gameplay structure was great, uh, but it could get, a, at least in my opinion, it could get a little repetitive constantly going back to that same location for each mission. Um, I'm just, I'm really wondering how this game will fare in the press environment. I get a little concerned. Yeah. No, I'm very concerned. Like, I agree. I've talked about it. I, I, that, to me, is, I've always been bothered when a, one dev gets blamed or one dev gets celebrated above others over uh, and i'm guilty of it with todd howard i'm guilty of it i I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because i'll joke about god howard but i cut that out like two years ago because i felt it didn't really represent how i believe but sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but yeah you're right no no that was a good that's actually a good point no it's a good point because the only i i don't have a a a connector point so that's better than what i was going to use which was like peter molyneux at the time with Mm -hmm. like fable where people were like oh but then it failed and suddenly Everybody was like, we hate Peter Molyneux. And it's like, you do realize, yes, he's definitely the director, but um, there were other people working on it mm-hmm. and as well. Like, there's there's multiple people. They deserve celebration. They deserve, this, uh, you know, ire, depending on it, whatever. Um, I will also say that I'm not a huge Metal Gear fan. I like the games. But what I mean is I'm not one of those, I don't know what the term would be, a metalhead. You know, diehards. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And um, uh, I looked at his scores in the last couple of days, and I looked at them today. And his Metacritic, I think that indicates, you know, really good games, definitely deserves being celebrated. Awesome that he got out of Konami. Um, hopefully other people did too, because that's another thing. We always just talk about him leaving Konami. It's like, Very well, good point. there's other people that might have had the same shit as him. Have we looked at where they went? Did they go with him? Which is very cool as well. And then, I think a couple and then did. Put, I, I think so too. And then put it all together and see what the game is. But what I I do feel that there's a really high chance of both of the things happening. A huge bump as well as way overblown expectations. And yeah. I I know a couple reviewers that I can tell you in the back of my head just thinking about them feeling bad about giving it a bad score. I lit I legitimately know some where I know that they will like I'm not questioning that they wouldn't. I'm I'm saying I bet you they would legitimately feel bad. It will it's no longer a review of the game anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like 
it's almost it's like you're reviewing the per yeah and to me that's really creepy that's like next level creepy when you're reviewing the person versus your 40 bucks is this because you and i may know him but somebody who's getting into gaming tomorrow will see this in a month or so and go hey i'm gonna get this he won't know and or he or she won't know and they'll get into it and they need to be told if the game is actually good versus just crazy pants, you know, or just bad. Um, so it's going to be, uh, I think, honestly, it'll be one of the most divisive titles in years. Like, legit divisive. I'm getting that really. feeling, yeah. Yeah, where people will be, I don't understand it. And then, you know, sometimes the developer will pretend there's a mystery when there isn't just because they didn't get to put all the game in. I wonder if some of these things will just be like, we didn't answer you. You just have to figure it out yourself. When in real life, you'll be questioning in the back of your head, was it just not put, you know, was this question just not answered because they just didn't answer it, which mm -hmm. we've seen in games too. Mm -hmm. But with him, he'll get away with it more, I think, because that's what he's, it's not only what he's done on purpose, but it's also what he's known for, is th these kind of mysteries. So it's going to be divisive, man. There's it, it, yeah. the first, and I will tell you to be Legend of Zelda. If somebody gives that game a, a poor score, it is going to be, yeah. And a poor score being, dude, I don't even know if a seven, I think an eight is going to trigger people. If if you use a number, it's like score. you couldn't have I just don't. given it a nine, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be one it's of those. Gonna, if if somebody if so, I bet you it's going to be one of those ones where it's like just forum posts after forum posts of people just being legit angry because the game got an eight. It's intimidating and, for people like us. <laughs> yeah, when you have to go into that and be like, okay, here we go. And I admit, I sort of get off on it. I'm like, all right, man, let's see what you have. Let's see if you've got a good burn for me because I didn't like a game you didn't or you liked, you know. Yeah. But at the same time. It's sort of embarrassing because so many people worked on that game. So many people are working on these games, and it's like you cut it down to just a you know one person. It's like what about the you know for example graphics? The graphics look really good, except for the falling animations. But the mm -hmm. graphics look really good. Um, I per I will personally probably celebrate the graphics as looking good, even mm -hmm. if I don't like the game. You know, so it's like yeah, it's being critical. People, <laughs> Yeah, people need to take that away, too, and say, okay, so the game didn't pan out, but man, look at this. This is what's available today on this PlayStation 4. What are we going to get with the Xbox XXL and the PS5? Like, we're going to get some crazy shit, and that, that should be a reason to celebrate it all by itself. So, yeah, it's going to be weird, dude. It's going to be a minefield, I have a feeling, for that, for that game. Yeah, unless it's like everyone's on the same page. That's usually where the if, if everyone's given eights, we'll say. Have we seen that? I guess Red Dead probably was somewhere around there, right? Red Dead Yeah, two. I didn't see really anyone deliver low on, on Red Dead from what I saw. Controls I saw was a major complaint because the input leg, which was definitely there. The one for Remedy? Uh, I'm sorry, no, Red Dead 2. There were oh, some controls. Sorry, I thought you just said oh. control. I was <laughs> no, like, I was sorry. like, wait, they, they're uh, out already? Yeah, no, sorry. The, uh, yeah, the you know, the, on Red right, Dead right, 2, right. there was some input lag. Yeah, it um, was like, but, it had its issues. It like, as, you, as you would say, it, it, it controlled like a bag of, of, of watered dicks. Wa vinegar <laughs> yeah. dicks or something like that. Yeah, yeah, vinegar-soaked dicks. Um, <laughs> so so it'll be cool, dude. It'll be cool to see, um, like, what those scores are. It's just going to be an inter it's an interesting look into the industry, I think. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how how it's handled. All right, moving on. Battlefront Two is bouncing back. It seems we got a lot of new content coming to this game. I know a lot of us have uh, taken it off our radar in interest of other products, but I'll be honest, guys. I played it a couple months ago. Uh, it was fun. I still stand by my word that buried underneath all the initial crap, like the star cards yeah. and whatnot, was a much better game than the first one. It added on to it. Even if the campaign wasn't good, there was more of that. Um, 
And I think that this update, if you have not heard it yet, uh, will catch your attention. So this is the rise of the Skywalker season content that was announced. Uh, it brings the clone commando class. Um, the commando class was in Battlefront 2. It was the guy with the minigun. Um, but mm-hmm. the clone commandos in this Good one look straight out of Republic Commando. It is fresh. Um they announced a brand new four-player co-op mode that pushes players to capture objectives for either the Republic or the Separatists in prequel maps. Uh, there's five, so um, you'll be rotating through those five. I don't know exactly what the name of the mode is when I looked it up. It was just called a co-op mode. Um, what else do we have here? October. Quick, this... I got to ask you one oh, thing no, about on. co-op mode. Uh, is any of this PvE or is it all PvP? I just want to... PvP. Okay, great. Well, actually, I'll have an answer to that in a second, because October and December feature special events currently unknown, um, and as always, skins are coming to the game, but Instant Action is back as well, and now you said, are they PvE, and Instant Action is going to have that co-op mode as well, so technically, the entire game is going to have PvE now, it seems. Awesome. Um, like full on, you know, pick up, like for those of you who have never played the original Battlefront games, uh, which I still highly recommend to this day, even if I do enjoy B- Dice's Battlefront 2, uh, pretty much what happens is you pick a map and it shows the modes that are supported on that map. So for example, if you were to pick, uh, I think it's Tatooine in, yeah, it is Tatooine in, in Battlefront 2, the original from Pandemic, um, you'd see like heroes versus villains. You'd see conquest, you'd see, um, like hunt. Um, but you wouldn't see, like, XL Hunt unless it was Kashyyyk. So each map was built with, like, a specific design and mode in mind, and so um, you're going to see that come into to Battlefront 2. Um, now, Carrick, I remember you telling me before the podcast that you didn't know about these updates and stuff, yeah, and like, I was like, all, all right, I'll read them all for you during the show. Um, what do you think about all of these updates? Does anything catch your interest enough? I mean, obviously, you and I are entering a busy time. It's a little bit harder now to go back and and mess around with these games but um does anything here just catch your interest enough where you you know you might want to give it a look uh the reason why i asked about pve probably would and what i mean by that is co-op pve i love so like um if you if if there's a mode there that let's say you can grab four uh you know commandos and maybe Mm -hmm. just go against bots and stuff like that as well as other people's fine too but what i like is anything i can return to with a group of people where you're not getting just been destroyed because everybody mm-hmm. else is play like the, you know they're the masters that's the dude with the fucking prestige character with 18 little medals next to his name and you go against him you're just like this is horrible right so it, it's really going to depend on how the modes are flexible if they're flexible and there's some stuff there for newcomers or people like me who are returning this would be the first time i've returned since it was out so it, that is what I'll check into. I'll verify, like, what, you know, if they're even caring. Because they don't have to care about somebody like me. They can just be all P- PvP. I'm not going to hold it against them. But if they're not, then, yeah, I will I will return to it. Because we do random games. And mm-hmm. it's just like, that would be a fun... It looked amazing. It had some really fun shooting. It just had horrendous issues when it was released. Yeah. And so... Balance. Balance was an issue and the campaign sucked. Balance and all the weird micro things that were coming up. Ugh. So... Yeah, I, yeah, definitely interests me for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I really I, like those games. Yeah, the, the the first one I still stand by. I don't like that game. The, the first Battlefront, was, um, the was, first Battlefront. What from, was that? Three sixty from Dice. I'm talking. Um, that was that was P. Yeah, that was PS4 Xbox One. Okay, PS4 Xbox One. Yeah, I mean, there, there was almost twice or three times a, a Battlefront game on the 360 and PS3. There was. The canceled Battlefront 3 from Free Radical when it moved on from Pandemic yeah. to them. Uh, there was a $20 Xbox Live Arcade 
version of Battlefront that got leaked and had full gameplay and like a trailer and it never yeah. came out. Uh, that one looked really good too. So those were two times I remember. And so um, that's why when the first Battlefront was was supposed to come out, I, I remember rejoicing and I played the shit out of that beta, the shit, shit, shit out of that beta. And uh, I was hyped for that game, man. Like I thought it felt good, but like when you got the full game, you realized half of what you I had already played was the beta. Oh my mm-hmm. god! One of the most sh- just hollow products I've ever I've ever purchased. Really, what was the one for the Xbox? Um, that was you could do the Galactic Conquest and stuff. And that was could, the original was, Battlefronts. That was the that one was we would put Xboxes together at mm-hmm. the same house. And you would do the the network, and that was one of the most fun and just straight up enjoyable. I love seeing lasers hit metal. I don't yeah, know why, yeah. But in start the sparks, and I just my brain lights up, and I'm like, it's fucking Fourth of July all the time, and just that feeling of like you against stormtroopers. Yeah. If it can capture that, I'll be right back to it. Oh you know? man, if, I mean that's the thing is they're they're inching closer, like day in there. day out to getting that galactic conquest in because as far as i'm concerned they've checked off every single every other box, thing and yeah. they have to be working towards it because it yeah. wouldn't make sense otherwise because they're you know why why after all like it's ever since the first one that's always a question they get are you doing galactic conquest the second right. one is this one gonna have galactic conquest and now in the post-launch content you're bringing in instant action you're trying to tell me that you're not gonna do that like i, I don't think they've ever said they're not going to but I think it was a tech thing, and I think what they want to do with Galactic Conquest, their vision was, obviously they have such a powerful graphics engine, but to, to transition between the, the space fighting and ground combat oh, seamlessly, gotcha. and that just, I think, is is totally next-gen, I think. To maintain that fidelity and be able to expand the environment that much, that's tough. There's a Steam game that you can buy called Angels Fall, and that's what it is, is you can have up to 64 people, and you can get in spaceships, fly around, then you can land on the ground, and you can fight. Wow. And uh, it's, dude, the technology for that is, it's stupid. Like, it, the requirement to get it all, well, look at Star Citizen's trying to do it. Like, mm-hmm. this, the requirement for that shit is just, and the engine, their engine looks so good. Yeah. Uh, in Star Wars. Or, man, like uh, Ewok, whatever that one map is. And it's just like the forest. Everything is so fucking awesome. And you just, you're hoping that like Galactic Conquest is the next thing they, they announce. But yeah, it just, I don't know. I don't know why they're holding off. I don't know. Like I you think said, it's maybe because it's, it's not, I think they could probably make an artificial version. Kind of like all you have to do, in my opinion, is, is similar to the original Battlefront uh, Galactic Conquest. You have... A, a sky they show with a map and you just have dots connecting all these planets and each planet you go to just starts a battle really all it is yeah. is instant action with a little flare exactly i think exactly. all they need to do is provide the proper um because with galactic conquest the little currency like you could get credits and then you could spend those credits on uh you could say reinforcement so if you go down to 50 fighters you go back up to 100 um, or you could spend it on a, a Jedi commander, and they would join the battle, and you could turn the tides if you were losing because he had so much power. Um, I I feel like they just had to add that set of things in there, and I think that's what holds them back. But also, I feel yeah. it's that vision of why do just Galactic Conquest where if the two ships collide? Because for those who don't know, uh, you have one ship on one end and one ship on the other of this map, and they start navigating around and fighting for planetary control. And the only time space battles happen is if two ships collide 
and then you engage in a space combat mm-hmm. and you send the opponent back to the beginning of the map and you start navigating and taking over. And the point of conquest is to defend the planets your opponent attacks and then attack the ones that they own. Um, and I just don't I don't see why it's so tough for them to do unless they have a grander vision, personally. Nah, and it's so, fu- it's so cool. Um, it's such a cool mode that it seems like there has to be something holding them back. Like, it's not yeah. just them being like, we're going to be jerks and not do it. Yeah. They know it would work. So obviously, like you said, it's probably some kind of tech. But uh, hopefully they're working towards it because uh, that would cause me to be almost instant. It would turn heads and they know it. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 at the very least, it would instantly cause me to look at it again. Mm-hmm. Like above any of this, if they said that, I'd be like, all right, I'm yeah. checking it out again. Because I imagine, when would the next Star Wars movie be coming out? The big one would be 2021. You support this one into... T- Actually, no, I think new content's coming in 2020 as well. I wonder if Battlefront 2 is just going to remain like a platform for content Oh, and updates. deliver deliver the updates through the, the same graphics engine, the same game, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because I imagine all this, by the way, is free. You know, outside of the skins that you get, um, which you have to play for, or you oh, can Oh, true, it is for. free. It is, it is so free. So there yeah. has to be a player base there constantly engaging growing and also probably purchasing someone like the cosmetic microtransactions it's gotta be there where they want to continue to push it and and uh trust that it'll um it'll be maintained and and so i just feel like are you gonna move on to a third battlefront i don't know there's a lot already there I would, with the graphics looking as good as it is um i would be okay with them just delivering most of it unless that was stopping galactic conquest it's just funny because Battlefront is one of those series that would just never get the three again. <laughs> yeah, true, true. It would stop at two yet again. They're just going to do what, do what Pandemic did. Make, make two the best one and then fall off the face of the earth. And then, and then just announce it again later on, start all over again. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Mar- Mar- look, dude, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is already doing that. So mm-hmm. I think what's, uh, what's great about this is the instant action being added because whenever the servers do shut down years and years down the line, you still can go back and play this game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which that's is great. That's very cool. So, the game will never die, ladies and gentlemen. If you enjoy Battlefront 2 now, uh, you'll always be able to experience it, which I think I think is really good to know, even if uh, we're, we're haters of it. Alright. <laughs> yeah, Sony made just a tiny little purchase this last week. You know, a small studio you may have heard of. Uh, it's called Insomniac Games, creators of Ratchet & Clank. Uh, they made a uh, Spider-Man PS4. Maybe you heard of that one. Uh, what else have they done? Oh, Sunset Overdrive. Very underrated game. So Sony, after 25 years of on and off trying to get this company, finally do it. They finally got them. And what a big get it is. You know, it's it's funny. Think of how long this process was. And Sony's last purchase of a studio was Sucker Punch after Infamous 2. Okay, I think that was eight years ago. And when you look at that, and look how Microsoft came out on stage and announced they acquired 10, and most of those developers were uh, were notable, I, I gotta yeah. say, man, that, that it, it's pretty crazy how quickly Microsoft moved uh, in response to what's going on. I mean, that's huge. But I don't want to take away from what, what's going on at Sony. Uh, Carrick, initial response to this insane acquisition. Expected. Mm-hmm. Definitely right? not surprising. No, they were in a dance for a long fucking time, and even when they did uh, Sunset Overdrive, I swear to shit, I could smell their dislike with 
for working for somebody else. <laughs> there was some. I'm not. I. 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 And I know that's it a good. I, like, it. It did. And I know people like that game. And I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the company. Just hearing them even talk about their partnership with Microsoft and all that stuff. They weren't. There was something about it. And then afterwards, they're they would like little tweets here and there from like the the designers where they were like, "No, we own Sunset. Microsoft has no like even their responses to questions." They, I just don't feel like they mesh mm -hmm. with Microsoft. Uh, maybe not Nintendo either. I have no clue. But um, it, they fit with Sony. And to me, there's probably no other third-party company where I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Insomniac just makes... There's it's nothing crazy about it that's surprising. That they stayed yeah. independent for so long, especially and they when wanted money was on the table continue, how many times. I bet. Yeah, I bet you they wanted to continue. Because the idea of being able to do a PC game... Because remember, PS4 likes to keep its, its stuff... Um, exclusive. Yeah, so, but you know what's funny? This actually, this announcement coincides with Sean Layden. He said uh, that Sony's mm -hmm. got to look at expanding to other platforms, obviously being PC. I don't know I about see Switch. That. So I, I feel that. that may have been a good pressure on Insomniac to be like, okay, you know, if we can get our stuff on PC too. Um, I did hear somebody else say that what Sony was meaning is that they're third-party exclusive shooters. Or something mm. like that. There was some other person who added something. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I, I yeah, I don't know. It would, dude. It's time. It, like, if it, it, it's not time, they can do whatever they want. But I don't know if Insomniac would just leap. On the other hand, Spider-Man did so well that maybe <sighs> yeah. they're just like, listen. Million. Yeah, maybe they're just like thirteen million. Yeah, th I think thirteen and a half. Did you see that Persona has only sold? 10 like in a total 13, series. Or 10 in a total series. We just talked about that today. So, yeah. So, Insane. that just goes to you. Again, Persona, niche title. But it's big niche. It's almost not anymore. Yeah. Um, so, there. yeah, Spider-Man's done freakishly well. So, maybe they're just like, listen, we know what we're, you know, we're going to do these particular type of games. And Sony's just going to let us do it. And it all it all makes sense. I, I don't know how much. Did they ever say how much this cost them? No, and Does I would love to know. It's got to be <laughs> dozens of millions. Yeah, and I'm sure there were a bunch of outs in that, too. I would not doubt, especially after Bungie had their issues with Activision, I would not doubt if every company being bought has a bunch of outs for being able to leave yeah. now. Where yeah. they're like, if you don't agree or we don't agree in the next three years, we buy ourselves out for half the price. or so. You know, there's mm -hmm. just shit there prepared um, yeah. prepared for that. I, just, I think what's good about this is you're going to see probably another Ratchet and Clank. Um, you're going to see another Spider-Man, of course. I wonder, I think they, Sean Layden also said in that same statement that he's going to see what they can do or they're looking into what they can do about Sunset Overdrive because I don't know yeah. where that stands. I don't know if they can take that off Xbox and put it on PS4. They can. Oh, they can't God. take the original. They own the IP though. They made that very clear. So, uh, and they said, wow. when they got bought, they said um, one of them said the only thing this proves is that we can now put all of our games on. Or what did they say? They said something. It was something to the effect of that you know games that they had done exclusive elsewhere can now be put on other systems. <sighs> So that's a huge I would, loss for Microsoft in that regard. I don't know as well. if I, I don't think Sony would want P, uh, number one. I don't. I think what would happen really? is Sony would say number two. Yeah, Sony would say no. I mean, number one, they'd have to go back and you know, you're porting it. Number two, I, I could see Sony saying this is exclusive. No one has it. Versus hmm. this is a copy of number one and we both have it. Sony seems like a company who'd be like, we're buying you. 
and if you're making a new game, we want you to make the sequel See, of it. And not the, you don't view it as maybe a uh, you know how like sometimes a third party game would come to a Switch and 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 it just pops off more than its initial launch because. Um, like people just missed it at the wrong time, and so people were gathering around it. You don't think that would happen with with this one? Like if they no, were to do definitely Sunset could. Overdrive I just one on uh, on PS4. I, it absolutely could. I just think they're so successful now with Spider Man and stuff that they don't need to even try that. That's true. Like there's no there's no there's no real. I mean, even as creators, they probably don't want to port it. Maybe maybe pay somebody to port it. Yeah, you that's know, what I was like, thinking. Yeah, they could certainly say Sony, since you bought us, we want twenty. You know, I mean, why not? Sony just spent side. a ton of yeah. money. Why not get another yeah. exclu- exclusive out there? Just pay another studio, port it. It's like printing money at that point. Because I mean, it's a it, great it, game. It is a really it is, good game. It is, but it's Sony, and Sony doesn't normally do. Sony is more like we want our own thing only. Mm. Is why I'm that's, saying, like, that's true. you know what I mean? And being like, we want number two, like improve on number one. For example, I don't know the negatives of number one. But let's say there's a negative that everybody story. universally said story. Yeah. Then, Especially well, Spider-Man. And Spider- I was just going to say, Spider-Man story is awesome. So what if they say, listen, let's make our own superhero, which is the main protagonist of Sunset Set Overdrive, and let's, like, knock it out of the park this time. Mm-hmm. I-, I could see him doing that. I mean, and that's another thing. How How fast can they turn around another Superman? Will they turn it around in the same way, or will they do another superhero? There, super there's Spider, or I say, I said Superman. I'm in Spider. Sorry, I was gonna let you finish um, your sentence. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured you'd pick up on that one. Um, but I could see Insomniac also being, you know, Spider Man's big, but superheroes are huge, and I think there's far more space for more superhero games than less. It feels mm-hmm. to me like Insomniac's really good. So if they were all, we're gonna do, I don't know what other superhero. Like I could see them nailing something, a Deadpool or some, you know, something oh, else yeah, that's currently. Yeah, and currently popular right now, mm-hmm. like in the movies, I could see them. Be, or what if they fucking, all intents and purposes, but what if they matched their next game with the new Avengers that'll come out in like three or four years? Mm. You know, they're just like on the back burner making a, a true yeah, Avengers game. I just feel whoever, <clears throat> whatever they work on has to have, if it's a superhero specifically, it has to have the movement. Uh, that's why behind it yeah because sunset overdrive oh you mean swinging yeah well that's or the thing that but, kind but like sunset overdrive had like wall running high bounces yeah uh grinding ratchet and clank had you know a lot of jumping strafing grinding spider-man some of the best movement you'll you'll ever experience in a single player game ever period end of story movement's always been in their dna and they've always done it exceptionally well to the point where it just feels good like you get this power in your controller from going point a to point b and so I feel a lot of that's based around the characters they've worked with, but also some of the systems they put in place. Like I mentioned, grinding, wall running, jumping. Yeah. Um, there's just a good feel for that. But when it comes to Spider-Man, that's more character-driven movement. Um, and I just feel like if they're going to continue to pick superheroes to work on, I think they're going to... It would be one of them. Yeah, it would have to be someone who movement. can move. But I, I feel like with Spider-Man, they're creating their own... Especially after what happened with Sony, if I were anyone in Insomniac, yeah. I would I would just double down and be like, you know what, Let, let's just keep our Spider-Man stuff going on here because this this can at least stay and be current and and it's not going to get erased out of nowhere. And someone's it's gonna... got its own comic books. Yeah, exactly. Right, like it's it's, th- it's its own thing. Oh, dude, I went to a comic book store and I saw like a huge statue of the PS4 Spider-Man uh, there. Like he was like the front and center statue for sale it's it's crazy it's like a it's like a thing like there are people who haven't played the game but just experienced the comics it's like what um not in the same world 
but we were talking about movement. One of the big problems with movement in superhero games is people tackling spy, uh, superhero or super, or sorry, Superman. And mm. it would be interesting to see Insomniac try that and be like, uh, you know, because Superman's flying. Like, what do you do? How do you do that? That would be cool. There, wasn't there a decent Superman game on the 360? I never played it, but wasn't there? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Superman I didn't Returns, I think it was called. Hold on. I want to see if I'm remembering correctly. Let's see what the Metacritic for that was. Superman Returns. Because that seems to me to be one of the hardest things to nail is like a flying superhero. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, uh, let's see here. Let's see if I was right or wrong. Uh, oh, this is a movie. Oh, the game. Uh, nope. Nope. The game, it says right now, on Metacritic is, for the 360, uh, sitting at a user score of a 6. And uh, the overall meta score is a 51. Guess not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. I also think that Insomniac's probably got at least one very original IP that they want to do, too. Because they're pretty um, creative. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it does feel like all this other, we're talking a lot about IP, you know, IPs we know of. I would assume that one of their biggest bets with Sony is that Sony stated that they can at least create one thing that's just, you know, brand new. They yeah. seem like they want to do that. Yeah. Or probably Sony was like, hey, you want to keep working on Spider-Man? Sign this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, that, that's the one thing is we always try to pretend like everybody's not uh, controlled by money, but... Spider-Man did so well, and if you know that your developers will be taken care of for multiple years by one signature, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you're if you're looking at all these friends and people you know, and you're all at the end of every you know at the end of every development, we lose twenty percent of our people or whatever. But Sony's saying we'll stop that from happening for you know the next two or three games. That could mm -hmm. be a pretty big sell. All right, but I do have to just real quick say. No, no, also, sorry. I, I thought that, you were done. You're good. Keep going. Uh, I was just going to say, remember, Sony did showcase Spider-Man um, as an indicator of the PS5's loading. Mm -hmm. Remember, they showed the speed loading? So I could certainly see them um, partnering directly with Insomniac for, like, a very fast uh, turnaround for a new title on the PS5, too. Right. Because it seems like they... Like, that was a big deal. Because remember, that was a third-party game that Sony showed as their technical introduction to the PS5. True. That's pretty crazy. Like, that would yeah. be like Microsoft getting, I don't know, getting, some, you know, a third-party company to be at their tech, to show their new tech on their, they usually don't do that. They usually use a first-party studio. Might yeah, have been an yeah. indicator of Sony already buying Insomniac, now that I think about it. Yeah, like, if they did, I don't know. I wouldn't if they had the, I was going to say Cuphead, but, like, that... Oh, dude, sense. Cuphead's so good looking. <laughs> Man. I know, right? Yeah, I, it, you know, I, it, that's a game that I... That game, I can't wait to see a sequel for that game. I really dig the animation style in that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, now we swing over... Web swing over, rather. Gotta use my segues mm -hmm. properly here. To our patron questions, we have tons. We have tons. We're just not even gonna preface this other than if you're here right now, once more a reminder... A uh, dollar a month on the Patreon gives you early access to the show, and you can submit your comments, questions, thoughts, ideas, whatever you want us to talk about. You fire away on the Discord section there. 
Um, and so let's get started with Natural Calamity. Uh, when did you think you started looking at games in a more critical manner? So when did you start critiquing? I know when I did. I don't know. I think for you, based off just your history, probably like you were just always critical. Yeah, I mean, because I like graphics, and I think once you start reading about them, you're interested in them. Yeah, I would say yeah. pretty much as far as I remember, not this, not like balancing and discussing the, you know, mm -hmm. the idiosyncrasies. But yeah, for a long time. What about you? See, for me, I, I I've always been critical, but I didn't put my biases my bias aside for certain discussions at the right, right times and and i didn't recognize it either properly i'd say i'd say like early 2016 no no mm. mid mid to late 2016 sorry that's when i really was like okay i've got to just start being a little more objective not to the point where i'm a fun killer but i've got to like look at the the the, the whole picture here even if it's a you know a, a game series i really like um is there something flawed here uh, and it's made gaming a lot more enjoyable for me because I feel like when I like something, it's like okay, like I really like this, despite any flaws I pick up on. I really oh fuck, like this. I remember then. Yeah, that's a good point. You just pointed. To, I do remember the exact game, Brute Force. I've brought it up before. The mm. Halo supposedly Halo killer from Xbox. I believe their hype. I got that game. That game was shit. It was utterly disappointing. <laughs> and I remember from that moment on, stating with my friends, I will never ever allow myself to be burned like that again and i'm gonna right. start looking at like what i'm really seeing versus that excitement of getting a magazine because that was back when magazines came you didn't yeah even have and a, you, you kind of miss those trailer. days to an extent it like was the, they were nice the, the they trailers were nice. getting you excited and mm -hmm. i still get some trailer hype every now and then but it I, I cherish my Fallout 4 time because i don't think i'll ever reach that level of unless it's kotor I don't Ex think of like deep excitement. Yeah, of just like yeah. like day in day out for like six months straight. I was like hype as fuck. It was insane. Like I would leave friends' houses early to go cover the game. Like I like I won't I won't do that now. Like I just it's become more of a and I don't say it's in a bad way. It's become more of a job though. Like I, I take it a lot more seriously. Um, I'm a lot more critical of things, and and my content's improved, and people have liked the direction. You know, the channel's only grown because of that. But it's just like, um, it's not like how it once was. Where I, like I see, oh, new trailer! Oh my god! And it's like, all right, cool. You know, let, let's see, let's see what we got here. Yeah, Kotor will always remain my number one trailer of all time, too. Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember how many oh, man, hundreds I of times I watched it, but I would invite friends into my office at work because I found it on at work. Yeah, they show, and I was like, look at this YouTube. Because YouTube was brand new. And I was like, dude, look at this shit. And we were watching the cutscene when the ships fire the lasers down and destroy Tarsus at the starting. Is that Taurus or Tarsus? Do you remember? Uh, What's Terrace. Tar uh, Terrace. And they're yeah. shooting down at it. And I remember we were all just sitting there watching it. And I was just like, dude, it's for the Xbox original. It's called, it's called KOTOR, man. It's going to be fucking awesome. Okay. Next question comes from Taylor Made in your personal perfect gaming verse. What two or more gaming franchises would you meld into one? Be as specific as you want, i.e. how you'd prefer the game to work mechanically, story beats, or anything really. Though, to make your answers more interesting, try to avoid using games that are similar, like Fallout and Wasteland or The Witcher and The Elder Scrolls. I've got a really, really Go good answer. It. Go for it. <laughs> it just came to my mind. and I'll give credit to one of my good friends, Monty. 
because uh, he originally uh, said something like this, but I've got to, I'm, I'm going to evolve this idea. I'm going to say Scooby-Doo and Phoenix Wright. I would like to see that crossover. <laughs> like that investigation process with investigation that character cast, detective. but then like the court scenes and that same like eccentric nature that, that Phoenix Wright brings to the table. I'd say Dang and Rampa, but that game's a lot more dark and grim. And um, Scooby-Doo is just not that. Scooby-Doo is more lighthearted and fun. And I, I think Phoenix Wright has more of that, at least the first game I played. If not for these pesky kids. Oh, now, right. got away with it. Which um, AC Denton right below this actually says, Scooby-Doo open world RPG, please. <laughs> yeah, That's so. too funny. This guy's been on a Scooby-Doo kick. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that one. I don't, I don't usually, I mean, we've talked about that kind of thing before, but I don't have an answer off the top of my head for which, for mixing. Yeah, hmm. I don't really have an answer for that one. You wouldn't sure. cross, like, Virtual Fighter with something? No. Uh, no, because they did that. They had a virtual RPG. It was called, Vir- I think it was literally called Virtual Fighter RPG. And it was fucking horrendous. Oh. It was fucking oh horrendous. Yeah, and it burned me on that kind of shit. No, for some reason my brain was thinking Age of Empires, which is a RTS, but mm. I was like, what would you mix it with? Just because I like Age of Empires. Halo did it with Halo Wars. Didn't turn out great. Um, but, you know, the idea of an RTS in Halo, I think that was a pretty good attempt. Okay. But no, I don't really have any. Uh, ooh, we got two two meaty-sized messages from Kettlecorn. Um... Let's see here. I don't know which one I want to pick because they, they, they said I already asked a question this week, so feel free to skip this one. Okay, so uh, I'm going to do the first one then, Kettlecorn. Uh, and I like this write-up because they, they introduce themselves and, and whatnot. And I, I think that type of stuff's cool. Like, you guys just don't have to pop in questions. Like, you can tell a story yeah, um, sure. and, and give us more to, to guide our discussion. So never hesitate to get detailed with this stuff. Uh, hey, Maddie, new patron here. I was just writing in because I had some thoughts on the whole loot box conversation from last week's episode. Uh, they posted this on the 12th of August. As you guys know, we had a little bit of inconsistency because of some of my Borderlands and the Outer Worlds coverage. I listened to several gaming podcasts, and of course, all of them cover the loot box controversy that's been stirring up in the recent months. But none of the opinions I hear come from people who actually play loot box heavy games. The two main games I play more than anything is Marvel Contest of Champions and NHL Ultimate Team. God bless your soul on that second one. Uh, I feel like it's, um, oh, sorry, I misread. I feel like it's important to share, uh, that both of these games already display odds on all packs slash crystals that you can get in games, so most likely the new regulations put into place would have little to no change on the way these games work. Being a part of these communities, I can see why, uh, see that many people love these games specifically for the loot boxes, and they really don't want things to change too much besides possibly seeing slightly better odds. The main alternative I see, um, making the rounds is instead of loot boxes in these specific games, have a store where you can purchase specific players, heroes, with real money. Most of us are vehemently against this since it will promote a very literal pay-to-win scenario, especially in NHL since it's PvP-based. So my question is, what's the solution to the loot box controversy that appeases the gamer that enjoys the RNG grind that comes into play when building a team from the ground up, as well as prevents the ga- uh, the more casual gamers from being preyed upon? Very good question, and thank you for all the detail there, because you give us a lot to think about there. So, uh, Carrick, you got any initial thoughts? And we can't say they shouldn't be in there at all? No, you can. The- I mean, that's that's what they're saying. They're asking for the solution. If your solution, you think, is like, it should be removed, and here is why, then yeah. 
do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, it should. I mean, they should. They're not going to be. I'll just say that would be my fix is that they're removed because, I mean, that's the mm-hmm. that's the major issue. And games prior to this point showed that they didn't need to be there. So that's one of the things is, like, you can't really say they have to be because games prior to, you know, when this became a thing did not have them. Um, other than you did, you certainly did have games where like, like Diablo or something where you kill a boss and you have a certain chance of something dropping. I don't consider that a loot bot or a, a, a loot box as much as like mm-hmm. at the end of something, hitting a button, seeing a loot box pop open, like yeah. some kind of jack-o'-lantern. Um, but yeah, I would say there's no indication that they have to be there. So I would say remove them. And if people don't want to remove them, then the, the ratings, the RNG, all that stuff being written is mm-hmm. the bare minimum that needs to happen. For sure, that that it's a, it's good that's happening. Yeah, I to to I guess play a little bit of devil's advocate rather just to give a different answer because while I agree, I'd just rather them not be there at all. I think of uh, as I've mentioned multiple times on the podcast, I play Dragon Ball Super the card game, and obviously when you open a pack of cards, that is RNG. Like you just don't know what's going to be in there. It'll say on the package, it'll say this package of cards includes this many uncommons, this many commons, yeah, exactly. this many rares, this many super rares. Um, there's so many tiers of cards, and like when you buy a booster box, you're guaranteed an SPR, which is one of the higher tier, more expensive cards, and you're digging for the secret rare, which there's only like one in a case or something like that. It's really hard to find, though, um, and they're the most expensive of the expensive cards. Um, and I think with that game, that's competitive, um, but yet if I want anything specifically, I'll go to tcgplayer.com, thecardplayer.com, and... Um, I'll, I'll buy specifically what cards I need to build my deck. And so in a sense, you could argue that's pay to win, but I've spent money on a deck, like building a deck, went into a store and had the floor wipes of me just because the game is balanced well. That's one thing I can confidently yeah. say about Dragon Ball Super, the card game. So part of me says, uh, in answer to your question, Kettlecorn, that if the game's balanced well, this doesn't become an issue. Someone could buy, uh, you used NHL as an example, uh, someone could buy, we'll say, uh, Dustin Brown. Uh, I don't know why he comes to mind. I can't fucking stand this guy. That's probably why. But uh, someone could buy him, um, but does that make them win the game? I think it's a little different in, in video games because, especially in the, the case of Ultimate Team where you're buying specific players, um, I think what would be smart is make average players available to buy or like mid-tier players available to buy because that's not going to push you over the top and put challenges in place that incentivize you to play the game to unlock... Uh, through play these higher tier players because then you have the people who can buy specific heroes or players and then you can have that reason to continue playing but i don't think there's really a happy medium for this i i think it's i'm not calling you foolish kettle corn but i think it's just foolish to think that uh these two groups of people who one who don't mind the rng grind which i sort of understand like i said i play a game that involves unpackaging cards like there is RNG in that, and, and I don't do it this way, but there are people who love playing what's called, like, draft leagues, so you literally yeah. get a draft box at a card store, and you play for six hours with just cards that you pull out of that draft box, so you hope you get lucky. It's a complete RNG. If you if you are very lucky, uh, you're good to go. Um, so, ultimately, I don't think there's a way to, to satisfy both parties. I think... Uh, ultimately what's best for the industries if these aren't there because you can supplement that RNG grind in so many different ways. So many Also, I ways. think you and I play a different kind of thing. I do Mage Knight, you do cards. The mm-hmm. big difference between what we do and what's going on in video games is we get a physical product that we can resell. And Very I think true. That, I think that when this discussion comes up, sometimes people forget 
because I will, I'll be like, I see this in all these sports, and then I realize I'm holding a mage night, and I'm like, oh, I can go to eBay. I think if a game is going to do it, they need to figure out a way somehow, and this is, I don't know how they would do it, but almost where you could sell back. In and Ultimate I, I, Team. I, yeah, there are some games you can sell in back, Ultimate right? In Ultimate Team, you can resell, but it's for in-game currency. You could buy the packs with in-game currency or real money, but if you bought it with real money, you could only resell it on the game's marketplace for in-game currency. There isn't any that we know of where, like, you open up a bag. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah it would almost be I like... I agree, though. That's a good point. Like, I, you guys can see probably... Actually, I don't know. I think the picture's too small, but, like... But Kara you have cards right, right there. I, yeah, this yeah. is all stuff. And this I have Mage Knight all over my room, but they're yeah. they're real, you know? Like, exactly, and this is stuff yeah. I can sell or build with and... Or As you feel. Can see, I'm in a building process. <laughs> it sounds dumb, but if I feel when I have a when I have a hero clicks, I'm like it's tangible. Mm-hmm. It's like it's there, and then I start to think it's it's valued a little bit more. It's I'm like okay, this is there. It, like even if it's not a you, what you were saying, you get the box that says uncommon, common, rare. That's what I get with it. Literally states on the back, and mm-hmm. you might get an uncommon, but it looks cool physically. And so then there's something that it's outside of the game. You can use it. You could put it on a mantle if that's what you want to do. You could put it in your little glass case. So there's these other uses. And I think with games, one of the big issues is if I turn that little monitor off, that thing I got is literally not there. It's mm-hmm. no, it doesn't. It's like you know, it's in a magical land that exists only through my computer screen, and that's the portal in which I can interact with it. And I would love to, you know, I told you I like Skylanders. Skylanders let you print out your characters on a 3D printer. So you can True. push a button, you can buy them or get their, their printout and then print it at your house. And there's something about that too, just just having it. But yeah, yeah it's it's difficult because they're there, dude. I don't think either one of us believe like a tick they're going to get burrowed out. Mm-hmm. I mean, micros seem like, and loot boxes seem like they're there, even if, you know, they're they're slightly adjusted to make yeah. people happier. Yeah. Holzer19 asks, what game franchise has done the best job of adapting and changing with the times? Oof. Madden, because it hasn't. No, I don't know. Um, it really has. <laughs> you said you that with that, such Maddie? confidence, I believed you for a second. I'm like, Madden. <laughs> but how do you change fo- Like, it's football. It's not going to, like, the oh, next yeah. day, it's not going to be fucking, you know, like, guns and shit. Um, so, I'll what, s- get, like, over the years? I'll say, I'll say Zelda. That comes to mind right away. Oh, true. I'll say That's Zelda. A good- well, you know, another good one is also Nintendo is Mario. Yeah. Even though I know you said you weren't as time in, in the right way. Yeah, and you weren't as in love with, uh, what was it? What was this last one? Odyssey? Yeah. But still, when you see 2D Mario, and then you see, like, uh, Mario for the 64, mm-hmm. and then you see, you know what I mean? Like, Zelda's the same way, yeah. Breath of the Wild was, even yeah. though I didn't love it, is just incredible. And I know a lot of people. I, I feel like Mario less so just because there was always a sense of openness like in galaxy or sunshine yeah. there was these bigger levels to explore and odyssey sort of just grew that uh made where, it bigger where, exactly whereas like zelda went full-on open and, and adjusted at the right time for the right crowd um and and did it in the right ways and, and made it very dense and that's a game that i liked a lot when i first beat it uh, and played it but i've my girlfriend has like 90 hours in it now and she like just keeps finding new stuff in it and i just mm. I'm, I'm like watching from afar just appreciating the game more and more because i didn't realize when i played it i beat it in like 50 hours and i was done with it i was like all right 
but she just keeps digging and digging and digging and finding new stuff and it's like wow this is an insanely well crafted game it, it's crazy I also think it's hard to guess an IP that's changed too long because there's not a lot of sequel like you know tons of sequels for a lot I mean some you know Call of Duty but you're not going to say that's changed I would also say um, I'd say Persona Persona 4 is one of my top three games of all time, but I can even admit that like the, there's certain aspects about that game that uh, it doesn't start off as as quickly. Um, the the, the autosave system is just not there. It's not that good. Um, the dungeon design isn't inspired. The, the side requests suck. Um, and I think Persona 5 managed to really, like, make everything better <laughs> in every single way. Yeah. The dungeons were bigger and deeper than ever. Combat but it was, was better. also more accessible at the yeah, same time. Exactly. Yeah. It still maintained that depth of like social links and gameplay elements being tied there and exploration and choice and consequence in a meaningful way. That wasn't just like, how does your story branch? I think that was another yeah. series that really adapted. Well, um, instead of like digging its heels in and going, no, we're staying the same. They like changed in just the right ways. Really well crafted game. Yeah, I don't think I... Oh, okay. No, it didn't grow. It didn't really adjust, but I will say the Forza series with Horizon. Yeah, that was a that's huge fair. change. Because yeah. we went from sim heavy, even though I know people say it's not a sim, they tried to do it regardless if they hit it, but they mm-hmm. were sim heavy. They were like all these tracks and tight. And then suddenly, I still remember when Forza Horizon was first announced going, what? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't... And then that is... It has eclipsed Forza so much for me. Yeah. The original Forza, and I, I still think more like people those, care about Horizon than I would say. You're right. And if you had told, if you had said that six years ago, I just don't think you would have the same thought process. Like it just wasn't the same thought process. But mm-hmm. they've done such a good job, such a good job adjusting. Yeah. Destroy the Grave asks, "What are some other gaming podcasts or any other podcasts you listen to?" Um. I listen to, uh, I used to listen to Kind of Funny Games cast. I don't really enjoy that as much anymore. I just, yeah, I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't like their takes at all. I don't I don't feel there's a critical nature to that. So I shifted over to Sacred Symbols, uh, Colin Moriarty's podcast with Chris Reagan. And, um, you know, Colin was a guest on our podcast and, and uh, I guessed it on his fireside chat. So if you want to take what I say with a grain of salt, be my guest. Um, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoy their show. I think they have a good blend of critical and laughing, uh, even if they get a little dire at times. Some of their dark humor is pretty out there, but, uh, uh, they're, they're a good bunch to listen to. And, um, yeah, they're mostly the, the main gaming podcast I, I tune into, uh, usually just cause I only listen to podcasts in the car. I don't really listen to music oh, that right. often when I'm in the car. I don't listen to it when I'm at home. Cause when I'm at home, I'm doing something or talking to someone. So I don't really need a podcast on in the background yeah I've, i have zero i would agree with what you said about kind of funny um no disrespect uh or anything no, but like just... it's been it's definitely been really hard in the last couple of years it's just it's gone off the rails to where i'm just like i don't know i used to listen to one up yours which was easily my favorite of all time with garnet mm-hmm. lee and um those all, all those guys have separated and done other things i don't listen to any do you know what happens it's a game so if a game is being covered that's when i listen and it can be to anybody. So if they're, like, covering... So for Death Stranding, if somebody has something really interesting... Well, uh, no. Uh, what's the zombie one we played? Days Gone. Right. 
multiple people covered Days Gone after its release, and I've listened to a couple. I don't follow any of them, but like I'll find, you know, somebody will say, hey, these guys covered Days Gone and they had this experience. Sometimes I'll just be like, well, that'll be interesting, but there is no single. I don't, I don't think I'm even subscribed to a single podcast. I've listened to Collins multiple times. I like his stuff. But I'm not subscribed to almost any anymore. And, and yeah, it's like, more, I'm not like a me, super consistent listener to anyone else because, like, I run I my also... own podcast, so I don't really need exactly. to listen to. <laughs> not that I don't want to. I I do because I feel like once you close those walls around you and you start doing your own shit, like you don't move with the times as well or note stuff that yeah. as a listener you go, I don't like that that much, or I I, I like this more. Um, and you you sort of reinforce your approach to your podcast or or take a more clear approach to your podcast rather um but yeah i don't i don't listen to them a ton because like i said i i'm in the car usually uh very little so it's it's like and you can't compress their time maddie like mm-hmm. it so you can compress a video by clicking forward but a podcast i can't see what they're showing or anything so mm-hmm. it's like yeah, if so it's you can't two preview. hours yeah if it's two hours it's fucking two hours like you're like i need to take two hours out of my time to listen and i like to listen i don't like to just have it on the background Right. So it's definitely definitely difficult to do. All right, rapid fire time. We're going to do this because a couple of people in the in the podcast question said, you know what, no one's going to do this. But we're going to go through Mike Fury's 15 questions. Jesus Christ. Yeah, unbelievable. Right. We're rapid firing this, by the way. I, I don't want you to explain any of your answers, okay? Okay. This is what you get, Mike. What is the best video game you got for Christmas? Fantasy Star 1. Mass Effect 2. Number 2. Favorite video game villain? Malik. Uh, Doc Ock. Oh, cool. TV show, number three. TV show that would make excellent video game? Battlestar Galactica. I don't watch enough TV. All right, four. (laughs) Yeah, you don't. (laughs) Uh, If you could meet any two people, one dead and one alive, who would they be? I'd like to meet my grandpa. I know that's kind of a sad answer, but I'd like to meet my grandpa. I never and got a chance one al- to. You the never one got a chance to. And then the one alive. Uh, Akira Toriyama. I like Dragon Ball. Uh, mine would be Bruce Lee, and the other one dead would be Leonard Nimoy, and then I'd like to meet William Shatner, even though he'd probably be a dick. I'd love to. <laughs> uh, number five, one video game franchise that you think can take it to the next level. Any of them. Anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have an answer to that. <laughs> Number, six. <laughs> Number six. What is a game mechanic that you would borrow from one video game that would work perfectly in another, since the Outer Worlds borrowed kind of vats from Fallout? So one mechanic in one game that we want in another game. I would like to see Baton passing from Persona in, like, every turn-taking in RPG. every game. Yeah, <laughs> and every game box. just targeting weaknesses and passing the baton. I really like that. Uh, um, I don't have an answer. Sorry. Okay, no I problem. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Here's an easy one. What state should the next Fallout be in? State? Oh, location? Uh, or uh, like? Yeah, 50 like states? states? Yeah. Fuck, man. I'm gonna say. Oh, man. Hold on. Uh... It's funny. I was going to say Alaska, but they did. And the reason why is because I like the Anchorage DLC. Remember that deal? Was it for three or whatever? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I would love a snowy location. 
like I'm going to say snowy. Pennsylvania because I want it to be in Philadelphia. That's just too <laughs> too fitting. Too fitting. Uh, if you could combine two video game franchises together, what would they be? We just tried that. Yeah. You already gave your answer. I don't have an answer yeah. for that one. Number nine, what is the cutest female video game character? Kara can't use Shopkeeper in DMC5. <laughs> oh, easy then. Chloe from uh, Longest Journey. Uh, Dreamfall. God damn, she's smoking. Bastila Sean. Hell yeah. Oh, from... I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah. I could throw KOTOR in. Easy answer. Uh, have you guys played the new free game on Steam called Steel Circus? No. No. Favorite book of all time? Dragonlance. Dragons of Bottom Twilight. Uh... Flow. Um... Favorite comic book of all time? Mine is the entire X-23 collection. And mine is the entire Batman, or the detective comics. Oh, yeah. Those are great. Uh, 13, do you think that schools would incorporate video games in the learning? Imagine a VR game where you play as a founding father who signs the Declaration of Independence. Boom, A-plus in history class. Yes, we do it already in Oregon. Everywhere. I was going to say, I think I think that's already happening. So uh, get with the so. times, Mike. Yeah, what what the hell is your problem, man? No, I'm just uh, if you were born in any era where video games didn't exist, when would it be? The forties. Uh, probably right at the turn of the century, right at nineteen hundreds. <laughs> do you know I what you we there. could do with the knowledge we have right now? Do you know the sheer debauchery we could live in? The amount of money we could make in the nineteen. Dude, if we showed I up with a twenty dollar bill, we'd be fucking rich. Dude, <laughs> yeah, just like what they're like. I don't know how to do electri- electricity, and you're like, give me a second. <laughs> it's like some of the shit you can just do plug crazy. this in. Oh, dude. Uh, a song. Last one. A song uh, that when it comes on, you are stopping what you are doing, and you are either dancing alone or dancing or dancing oh i'm sorry i misread this a song that when it comes on you are either stopping what you're doing and singing along or dancing or both Def leopard pour some sugar on me wow you were quick on the draw with that one i ch- i change we- favorite songs like underwear i don't have i don't have a favorite song of all time I just have a couple classics, like the Paradise City, the one from the Burnout Games, uh, from mm-hmm. Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. Par- Paradise City's fucking just awesome. I like summer songs, summer rock and roll songs. I feel like anything Ellie Golden does, I just really... Let's be honest, it's Ariana Grande for you. <laughs> let's just, let's go there, Maddie. Let's admit it. Prior to the podcast, Maddie was showing me, he's got a signed, signed fucking letter from her, signed yeah. photo. I'm just joking. I just need it. I just need the attention. Uh, all right, R. Jamie. My question, though, try to think of one of the most satisfying wins you've earned in a video game. I've been on Monster Hunter a lot lately, and it seems so damn satisfying to beat a monster that kicked your ass for several hours. Behemoth is, uh, for a, if for anyone, uh, if anyone rather knows the struggle, I'm, I'm struggling to read. It's at that point in the podcast. Uh, he says, From Software Games do this well, too. So just like I, a moment in a game, a video game, a moment in a video game where you had your most satisfying win. Uh, he mentions as an example beating a boss in Monster Hunter and being like, "Yeah, I did it after getting this butt beat." I have, I have an example because it's documented on my channel. Uh, it is called oh, what is it called? I, something Maddie something Bloodborne, and um. Pretty much what happens is I, I go into the Chalice Dungeons in Bloodborne because I was going for the Platinum Trophy. 
And um, I, for those who don't know, the, the Chalice Dungeons are, are procedurally generated dungeons in Bloodborne that uh, really don't have as much structure as a typical FromSoft game. Uh, because, as I mentioned, they are procedurally generated. So you'll go into a boss arena, and and it's just not fully tested uh, for that boss in that environment. So uh, one of them was uh, the 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 dog, uh, the the beast rather, the is it Blood Star Beast, I think it is from. It's like the third boss in the whole game, but in the Chalice Dungeon, you're a couple floors deep, and it's a very tight arena. And this dog is huge. Now, normally, he's designed to fight you in a chapel. And the chapel's very roomy, and he has a lot of poison-based attacks that do damage over time. He hits like a truck, especially in the Chalice Dungeon, he can one-hit you. And uh, it was easily one of the most gruesome, horrible times I've had trying to beat a boss. When I beat him, I like, without a a moment of hesitation, like stood up through my controller and said like, yes! Like, it was the biggest victory ever for me. Yeah, I don't... I don't really get too celebratory. Um, Mass Effect, I told you, when you find out Shepard's alive, but that was after a battle, but that battle was cool. But I would say um, I'm not a big fan of the way Dark Souls and those games do the, you know, like the constant slashing a guy a thousand fucking times. Mm -hmm. But I will say that in Neo, I think it was Neo. In Neo, the second boss is a chick that can, or a dude who can fly around. You go down. And I, I, Died so many times. Yeah. I literally, I wanted to kill myself. Like, I've never, I was just like, what is happening? But when I beat her, right? It is a her, I think. Yes. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yes. When When I beat her, my skill level, and this is why I think it was one of the best bosses when it comes to elevating your skill level. Because I had beat her after learning all this, you know, and and she was so hard that every enemy I faced afterwards was so much easier. Because mm-hmm. I was just like a normal guy that was roasting me or very difficult. I was like, this is nothing. Because you had just fought this guy for five fucking hours. And so, yeah, I would say Neo. So even though I'm not a big fan oh, of those Neo, kind of games. Neo has one. Yeah. For me as well. Yeah. It was Oda and the Ice Queen. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was actually, especially because I was going for the Platinum Trophy, that was torture. I just have a sick obsession with getting Platinums in those games, and I think I've changed, definitely, because I don't want to touch Sekiro at all. I just didn't enjoy that game. Uh, Knucklehead, uh, this is a question for you, Carrick. I've heard Carrick mention a few times of how he races on a local track he has. I was wondering if you use your daily driver for this, or if you have a car dedicated to it, and what that slash those cars are, assuming that this isn't too personal. Love the podcast you guys keep doing. You Thank you for your love. Carrick, I didn't know you raced. (laughs) Yeah, there's a local uh, car, uh, racetrack you can actually pay insurance and you can race your car. And yeah, it's daily driver for sure. It's a Hyundai Genesis R Spec, so it's a I don't know like what 500, any of this 500 is. horsepower. Uh, it's a, a daily Euro... driver. Someone drives. Yeah, yeah it's my no daily driver means it's what you drive daily. It's not a race car. Oh you... shit! Yeah, so oh, you're wow. able to pay on the local track and then race on the local track, and you you your times are set against other <laughs> people's so times. So awesome. And, I've been number one for about three years, by the way. Wow. Um, yeah, that's um, tried to do a review, by the way, while racing, which was the worst experience of my life. Almost died. Thought it yeah, was going to be so- really cool. Sounds it. <laughs> Bro, Maddie, here's here's Carrick's good idea. I'm like, dude, I'll put a webcam on the dash and try to fucking race in the car and do a review of a game as a joke. <laughs> it was, I mean, I almost crashed in sec. It was the dumbest fucking, ch- I was like, 
What's up, everybody? This is Carrick with God damn! I was just, you're, it doesn't work, man. It's that two anybody... bird, one stone approach that kills oh, YouTubers. <laughs> bro, and you'll see racers, pro racers, and you see them sweating when they're done, right? They're ripped a lot of times, yeah. they're in good shape. And the reason why is because that shit is hard as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you can sell it as not. But yeah, yeah, so I, I get to go do that. Uh, most, most local uh, racetracks around here allow you to have a race day, basically. That's awesome. Called. I didn't even yeah, know that's very... a thing that existed. I guess yeah, you got to start somewhere if you if you become professional, right? So, yeah, and it's just I just happen to have a race car, so it's like I can take it, and I don't, you know, I don't own a, a race car, but this car is fast enough that it's it's mm -hmm. able to be, go on there. And yeah, I'm shit. You could do it with the Ford Focus if you wanted. I assume <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun. Twenty Imagine miles that. an hour. But what do you drive? Uh, yeah, uh, Mitsubishi Gallant. From well, 2005. there you go. There you go, bro. <laughs> Throw down some money on some that car. I am, I am, I am a grandma driver. I drive slow. I definitely. Drive oh, slow. oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I just, I, I do, don't. I, I'm, because I'm I've safe. lost control of my car twice. Not, I've never. I don't speed, but like one time, I was pulling in to my uh, development and I hit like a gravel patch, and I just my wheel kind of like locked to the left, and just I slid diagonally. Yeah, I slid. And uh, one time I was going around a bend. I was going 35. Like, you're going slow enough, but you got to remember how much a car weighs. And I hit a puddle, mm -hmm. and my car just 180 into the other lane. Like, yeah, it, it was exactly. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, so uh, I don't drive like a complete bitch, but, like, I'd follow the speed limit and whatnot. The racing, I would just fly off the pro in a second. <laughs> It, it would be it would be fun to you might you might enjoy it. you never know like yeah. i mean because you are by yourself you know so you don't have to worry about like True. you know other people which True. i, I mean okay how about this um there's a uh, near me there's a like a, a bumper car racer thing or a cart racer and and it's actually like a full-on track and you get in these carts yeah. and you race at full speeds and like uh when i was there of course of course <laughs> There were three people who did it professionally as like a living and oh, were practicing right. for like a tournament and they were just like, like bumping into me and like zipping around me. They lapped me and I'm just sitting there like on a fucking Sunday <laughs> stroll. <laughs> like a clown car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's just driving by. What the fuck is wrong with this kid? Yeah, exactly. They're like, like one, one girl like intentionally pulled up next to me and like hit me because like I was going too slow. I was like, fuck you, bro. What the fuck? <laughs> I was like, I'm out here trying to have fun. Like I'm getting accustomed to this. This is my first time and you're going to thrash me for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Uh, next question comes from Tropical Ice Cow. I look at my lot of sports games. What the hell? <clears throat> I look at sports games career mode as an RPG, and I have issues with skills like speed. In reality, sprint speed peaks early in life and slowly diminishes over a career. However, in games, it is just another stat that you can increase over time. Are there any other skills in RPGs you would like to see more realistic to help enhance the experience? So you want to have pretty much like an age meter there, where as you get older, your stats go down. But there are some timeless talents that don't go down. So if you have that universal approach, uh, you may end up having a game that makes no sense uh, for some of your favorite players. An RPG skill that I'd like to see more be more realistic. I've had issues with how RPGs categorize certain things. I think I saw in the Outer Worlds one where they were like, what was it? Oh, this is going to bother me. I think it was like, dexterity or something and and the one thing it impacted made zero sense to me i can't think of it right now but it's it's less of the skill itself and more so how developers will categorize that skill and what skills apply to that uh that stat so to speak 
makes, minus strength always makes sense absolutely for sure stamina um for for running swinging a sword because it even at, when i was at my heaviest which was like 289 i was able to still run two laps without like really breathing hard at full speed mm. a fucking gta character can run 16 feet off the and rip, they're fucking, yeah. and they're, dude, they're, they're like, d- yeah, they're like eating donuts and fucking smoking a doobie or something. Like they show, <laughs> I'm not lying. You're tapping the A and they're all, fuck, man. Yeah. I, I'm not meant to run. And you're like, dude, you're jacked as fuck. You're, you are meant to do something, you know, um, and, and I would say stamina beyond a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Every game I've ever played, you swing a sword four times, you're suddenly tired. If you go follow people who like do um, recreations of sword fighting and stuff like that, they're trying to literally kill each other and they're fighting for like you know nine ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, it would be hard to do, but I would love to see that. I would love to see somebody relook at that. Fat man syndrome bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like in GTA San Andreas where you can eat a lot and then become fat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then work out, remember? Syndrome. And yeah. you can lose the weight and you can do the push-ups and run on the so that game was. Awesome. The game is so ahead of its time in all the stuff you can do. It's mm. mind blowing, man. Mind It's crazy. I don't hear it brought up in a lot of conversations outside of like the the meme. They're like, ah, oh, shit, here we go again. Like that's the yeah. only time I hear it brought up. I'm like, that game was great when I was younger. And three were three cities. Remember, it was mm. like three cities. It was yeah. all these jobs between drive being a trucker. Like that was it, yeah. It was beyond ahead of its time. So yeah. much stuff going on. The next three questions have to do with content creation, so uh, we'll, we'll under, answer them um, bit by bit. I was going to combine them all together, but I thought it would just make the most sense to just go one by one, give you all your individual answers. Johnny EC, so I recently just started making YouTube videos, congrats. Figured yeah, I'd start with a walkthrough series on Remnant, but I wanted to ask, do you believe consistency will eventually bring in an audience or would putting extra effort to get your channel out there go a long way, such as networking? Outside of networking, what are some other ways you recommend to establish a viewer base? I think we, you and I have talked about networking. I, mm-hmm. I don't, man, I don't know, man. Maybe your idea has changed. But my, uh, my idea that has seemed to really reflect what I've noticed is that networking just doesn't work. It do, or it doesn't offer a huge bonus because your your audiences may not overlap you and i've done podcasts with other youtubers and not even the idea of networking but the idea of another youtuber and you think it'll work you're just like oh well they have like our audience will increase a ton it's like none yeah or barely any i was on total biscuits podcast twice and you know i I certainly got some subs but but not a ton for me i would say it's consistency and it's also looking at the current um look of videos the current look of videos have changed right now it's big for thumbnails you know i've talked about certain types Mm -hmm. but also infographics is huge um momentary blurbs i've even got them now with like avatar cartoons on your like if you were doing reviews yeah yeah it's and i i've got them even and i've got them because that's what call like i've just started using them it does actually work that's the thing because it lets you visually at. represent personality you're inserting so if i'm talking yep. about something and then i go to imitate a commenter who's going to ask me a question and go but maddie what about this mechanic in the game and you see yep. like a little chibi version of me pop up and start shaking around like that's such a good idea i should do that but point being is like that's that, exactly what i've been that doing keeps the, the the experience visually enticing i have a rule in videos where if okay here's a perfect example just as i record this uh, today's upload, which was my Fallout 76 patch video. Um, I have a rule with those types of videos where don't show the same thing for 15 seconds or more. 
because I don't treat my viewers like these drones that can't hold their attention, but I know, I know YouTube, I do it myself, and I'm a fucking creator, okay? Like, I will go on the app, I'll start watching someone's video, and I'll tab out before I'm even 10 seconds in and start looking for the next thing to watch. Not because what yeah. someone's doing is uninteresting, but I want to line up what I want to watch next. And if what that person says isn't interesting in that couple minute period, I'll move on to the next thing. So you want to make those, especially those opening moments count, I feel. Uh, you will always want to come out strong because then you have the viewer's attention and then you can start to pace yourself a little bit. I always believe coming out of the gate strong and then pace yourself. Um, but obviously there's moments where like a review, you need to be rip roaring the whole way through. Like you need to be scripted point to point, visually representing what you're talking about. Uh, like I always tell people, if you drop a name, you drop a brand, you drop something, show it. So if I'm talking yeah, about, yeah. Fallout, and I mentioned as an example the Outer Worlds. Don't keep showing Fallout gameplay instantly. You're back to Outer Worlds right there. And then once yep. you're done, go back to Fallout. And then the second I start talking about KOTOR, KOTOR gameplay, just represent what you're talking about. Holy crap, I can't emphasize it enough. This is why I do consultations on my Patreon, because a lot of people will come in and be like, what am I doing wrong? And I'm like, you're not doing anything wrong. You're a good creator. It's just the, the video production. It's just a very yep. small thing that you can miss. You think... 10 minutes of commentary and straight gameplay works. It does not constantly switching between. That's why I like using my camera for my videos because sometimes you just don't want to do straight gameplay. You want to insert yourself there. Exactly. So you want to have you gameplay now a news article, then new gameplay, then you again, it's constantly changing. And it's, it's intriguing. It's visually enticing. Uh, maybe not me, yeah. but uh, you know, the um, video itself. And, uh, I think that's why some people who are nice, you know, whether it's charged or not, but you and I both, consult there's a couple other people that i know now consult and one of the reasons why is because dude it, it shit changes so fast that you'll you'll jump into something and be like for example networking did work at one time mm -hmm. and then it didn't and you need to know not that it'll never work but it's just like this might not get the return that you yeah for. and yeah videos yeah. right now have to look a certain way that they that they two years ago did not have to look like to get the mm -hmm. The, the, it's very and they have competitive. to sound a certain way. It's you know, we, we were just talking earlier in this show about how games are very competitive and you know, your 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 product, even if it's good, can get munched up real fast, and that's why daily uploading's encouraged. Um, because you wanna be there every day. You know, people don't care if you do it once a week. I know some people are in a position where they can do uploads once or every week or two. I'm one of those people who can't, so I gotta I gotta be there most days of the week, at least five days a week telling you you know why i deserve to be in your cell box why you should be watching me and you got to make those days count uh, as for networking that's how i got my initial spurt really because uh what i did was i was like one of the few people making fallout 4 videos and then i'd reach out to fallout 4 facebook pages and instagram pages and i'd be like hey do you want to do like a cross promo post my videos when they go live i'll shout out your facebook pages and i had that going for a really long while and then Instagram pages started working, and I had a lot of people shouting out when my content went live, and it helped me grow uh, a foundation. So when Fallout 4 became a thing, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I literally went from day one of Fallout 4 being announced from 90,000 to 108,000 subscribers. I literally exploded because I was in people's minds for so, I don't want to say it, like an egotistical manner, because that sounds wrong, but... You're in the back of people's head. They've either seen your name in passing. Maybe they didn't sub, but they've heard of you some way or another. You've gradually grown. I was at 90,000. That's not a number to snuff at. Um, and you, you see that game that finally becomes real. And then they see your channel and they're like, this guy's been talking about Fallout 4 for like eight months. 
holy crap, he's got to know what he's talking about. And that's how you get your foot in the door. So consistency is really important too because you got to be, you know, you got to have something to show. So initially on, you're not going to probably your first two videos, three videos and and so on aren't going to really net you anything. It's when you have that big boom video and you have a catalog to back it too. It's not just about one video. I've had, I just had a video for Greedfall. I've had three videos in this past month combined for well over half a million between a Greedfall video, an Outer Worlds opinion video, and a Borderlands opinion video. And all of them have done stupid well. And back in like 2015, with that type of video growth that I, our video performance I saw, I would have another 20,000 subs. But it's just different nowadays. You know, people don't instantly click the sub button now. It, so Exactly. It you know, I, I, I've noticed it for I'm sure. I'm thrilled I got, and granted I'm a lot bigger now, but I'm thrilled I got 2,500 plus new subscribers. I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic because that's more than I usually see per month. But um, it's a lot harder to earn people's subs now. And that's why it's not... That's why you see uh, game companies not going off the metrics of your sub count, but they'll go off your engagement with your your yeah. commenters, what kind of community you're growing, and, and how many views you pull in. And that's why you see a lot of people reaching for, with these... We could add to that that's, that's why you and I don't do it, but I think that's why you see some channels skew towards political stuff. Because if yes. you can get a political group on your side, and group meaning group of fans... If you can get a political of any side group on your side, you can see a huge... I've seen it. I've seen some channels where I can legit tell that they did a political video. Like, mm-hmm. you could, you just... Mm-hmm. You'll look at their subs and be like, yeah, political video. I give them props it. in a sense because I just think Indeed. that type of the internet's terrifying. I'm just like, I don't want to be on that side of the internet. <laughs> I will just keep making gaming videos. If I grow inch by inch, I don't care because I think part of this also depends on how easily satisfied you are. For me, I, 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 am, I just flourish in small victories. And I said this, um, Carrick, you weren't on the, on the podcast when someone asked, but they were like, what's the definition of success? And I said success pretty much was like big or small. It's a, it's a victory. And so for yeah. me, if I post a Persona video, I'm known for Western RPGs. And if I post a Persona video and it gets past 10,000, yeah, 10,000 isn't a lot. But for me, 10,000 on a Persona video, that's excellent. And so I celebrate yeah. that. You know, that's the type of thing. You just always want to celebrate um, because then you, you enjoy it and you, 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 treat your, your, you commend yourself for your hard work. Yeah, and I think it's also important to remember I did a, a video on like sort of what, how, what to get out of your numbers. And one of the things I was telling people is somebody took the time. If somebody watched your video, somebody Very took true. the time to watch your video and they took their time out of their day. That can be pretty special even if it's a very small amount of people because you and I both have certain things we upload that just don't – they don't – like they don't yeah man this, I had a... my podcast and your podcast neither one of them nail it but it's like then somebody's in the your patron and they'll be like or mine and they'll be all or in the discord and they'll be like oh i joined because of the podcast and you're like all right you know what you're satisfied someone paid, yeah yeah that just paid for itself you know you're just like all right that i guess that is working it's just not working in the same way as yeah some, i think you know, it's a thousand easy nowadays uh to cap this this off because we do have two other questions that that could that we could keep going into um, but it's easy to look at one site and be like, oh, their YouTube channel's not doing good. But nowadays it's about how many places can you be? Yep. Are you on Twitter? Are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Are you on Patreon? Are you on Twitch? Are you on YouTube? Are you on Mixer? Um, now I've considered doing like, there's a, there's a way you can stream and you can pull in viewers from, for example, both Twitch and YouTube 
and like sort of net them together. I don't think that's a smart way to do it. Just build yourself on a separate platform. For me, my Twitch streams do not go crazy pop-off mode. I usually sit around 80 to 90 viewers, which like Carrick said, that's insane to me. I'm like, dude, that's imagine sitting in a room with 90 people and they're all watching you play a game. That's crazy. Um, but I'm assuming you're talking about restream. I think so. Something yeah. Like restream. Yeah. yeah where, where you can up. like go live on two places and then yeah. people will they private just... the YouTube video. Cause they'll get the donations and subscriptions from that. And, yeah. and, and they'll get the subscriptions and donations from Twitch. And obviously Twitch I think it's better. It. Same as you. I think it's better to stick with one. I think those, those uh, groups don't meet too well either. No, they don't. The, the, those fans of like your YouTube are not a fan of your Twitch and vice exactly. versa. A lot of times. <laughs> exactly. I, I can confidently like I, I have my YouTube channel has I, I really like my comment section because they're pretty straight with me. They're, no one's ever like super toxic, super roasty. Um, I mean, you, you, you get pretty much the same shit across any comment section, but I've just I've, I'm happy that mine isn't like abysmal. Um, and when I go to my Twitch page, it's like it's just so loving and supportive because what's happening, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, is when you go to another site, you're enforcing another click. And I'm telling you right now, that extra click weeds out so much bullshit. It's yep. why I tell people all the time, like, I think the Discord's amazing. Uh, I was just talking last night because people were in our Discord were talking about how good the community there was. And a big part of it is because, A, the people there are amazing. But, B, there there is a dollar that you have to spend yeah. to get in. And it, it, absolutely it cuts matters. out so much of the bullshit. Yep. It's so nice. So, uh, keep all that in mind. Sci-Fi Man asks, can you go over your work hours as a content creator? Things like work hours when you decide to start the day, and do you set hours for when you just stop or when you hit a certain amount of work? Or when you hit a certain amount of work, sorry. You want to go first or you want me to? Yeah, I can go first. Um, I work Monday through Friday. That's kind of my structure. I make sure I have weekends off now. I used to not take weekends off, but it's just healthy for me. Um, what I usually like to do is work 1030 to dinner time. So I get you, cause usually within that time I can produce a video and get out something. Uh, it was a lot easier back when YouTube didn't really demand 10 plus minute videos. Um, right. yeah, back when I could put out like a five minute video, my channel wouldn't get punished in the sub boxes or get smothered because it was shorter. Now you need to yeah. produce longer content, multiple ads to, to enforce watch time and, that keeps your channel relevant. So um, I also have a lot to say, so it helps in general that you know I can do that, but it takes longer to produce those videos. Uh, so I have just enough time to make a full-on video every day sitting down. Uh, now, technically, my work hours stretch to like from 7 to 9 at night because I stream usually most days of the week. Um, but it depends on how much you schedule. For example, for The Outer Worlds, created like eight videos in advance. So I really had like a week off to just stream and chill and, and recharge my batteries. Um, you don't know what you're getting into every day. Like I could wake up tomorrow and I'll have a code for Greedfall in my inbox and I'll be like, okay, Greedfall is supposed to be a pretty big game for me. I'm going to put all my chips in on that. I'm going to make some shorter videos. I'm going to stack up two of them. I'm going to have two days free now. Uh, with uploads prepared, so my channel will be active. Maybe you won't make as much ad revenue, but the idea is that hopefully Greedfall is this really successful game for my channel. I'm going to put my all into the review and go from there with guys and whatnot and DLC coverage, like that type of shit. Um, that's how I kind of structure it. Um, 
but yeah, usually my general structure is get up, have your breakfast, you know, wake up your body, shower, go to work, leave at, at five because you, know, you could work and edit more than that, but I want to exercise. I want to, I want to just have time to myself. Um, you need your unplugging time for this job for sure. Yeah. It's super important. I think. Absolutely. Do you have like a, a set work hours? You oh. were, I know you've talked like sometimes like based off how things go, you'll be like, oh, my Wednesday and Thursday becomes my, my Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, that's the only difference I would have from you uh, truly would be that right now, at least because I'm more reviews. I'm not very good at this, uh, like the 10 minute, like shorter videos for some reason. And uh, so it's tough because yeah, you got to have actual substance there's, there. There's or else something you look about like a it that's. Yeah, there's something about it that I just I, I and I just once I sort of talk about something, I'm done for some whatever reason. Probably because we do so many podcasts, so then mm-hmm. you're like, there's so much content. But yeah, so I work on reviews. So if a review comes in, then I'm working. If a review is not here, then I am not. And uh, I wake up every single day at exactly four. I work out for two hours, and then I work until about five thirty usually when uh, people come home, and it's time for me to take care of shit exactly. and that can go that can go for 14 days in a row or it can mm. go for three it all depends on if you get a review or five like yeah. the worst thing is waking up and going oh i got this big review and sitting down and then seeing a tab come up i say this is the worst but it's it's not but you get my drift and you'll look and it'll be another game and you're all <laughs> uh-oh and you're like and now and then, i got a double schedule and, and yeah and the then you got to really figure does. out like like you said do you take away you know real lifetime Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're like outside life. Do you, personal life? Do you take time away? Because that can be yeah, difficult. Because it can make you good that. money. Because you... in my situation, it's like, okay, I have a puppy to take care of. So usually my days are pretty clogged between making a video and taking care of him back and forth. And, and that's I why dogs, so when I, know, I I know that feel exactly. So when I first got my puppy, uh, a couple of people who pay close attention will notice like I had editing errors in some of my initial videos when I got oh. him. I like I, I fucked up in, in like at least three separate videos, like audio errors, editing errors, like just it kept happening. And I, I just straight up said to people, I was like, look, I'm like really stressing my dog. I'm trying to do two things at once. I'm just going to take a day yeah. to chill. And that's kind of the beauty of the job. Um, you don't have a boss who's calling you in despite your mood. You can decide when you're ready to come back, but you can't take too much time off because, like I said, you get punished for it pretty much. Um, there's yeah, a system a weird... in place that enforces that constant work. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's it fucking is. definitely the weirdest job I've ever had. It is. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to do anything else. Nope. Grimblade says, sensing a theme to these questions, have you considered giving a themed question prompt as another form of viewer interaction? A reverse question and answer might be interesting as a supplement to the patron questions. Ooh. I don't know what that means. I think he's saying next week's theme is... Uh, movies. Oh, I see. bring all your movie questions. I think I don't know what he means by a reverse question and answer. Um, by that he may be saying like we ask a question and they answer, which could be cool. I might create a new section. Um, yeah, I could create a new section on the patron Discord called answers and questions, <laughs> and. Yeah. uh and what I'll do is I'll pop a question in there weekly and, and gather the answers, and I'll, I'll read them at the end of the show. I think that could be fun. It's yeah, a good definitely. idea. Okay, so we'll add that in. Thank you, Grimblade. See, is this how you guys uh, get involved in the show? All right, we still got three questions left. We're nearing the end here. Uh, I thought of more of a fun-like question. This is from Natural Calamity. 
uh, we answered his question right in the beginning, actually. If you had to choose a different name for your channel, what would it be, and what would the intro be? Mine, Yo Yo Yo, it's your boy, Tyrannical Misconception, back from extinction, ready to make some mistakes and make memories with you beautiful creatures. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thought that one through. Yeah. He had that prepped. He was like, I have this good joke now. How can I just stuff it into a question? So what the question is, is what would you re what would your channel name be if it wasn't what it is? Yeah. And what, how would you introduce yourself? I don't know because be, it would I would always be sup for me. Cause that's just what I say to people. Yeah. See, here's the thing, guys. I, I was so anal about my fucking channel name. I like, Oh, were you? I did not start Mr. Maddie plays on for, for months because I was working on a name. Like I, I, I told because I originally had a channel glitcher twenty seven, then I did G two seven status, and I was like, both those don't run off the tongue. And I said, I'm planning my plan from the start. I'm not going to act like it, it, it. You know, I had like this this mastermind plan, but my goal right. rather from the start was I want Mister Maddie Plays to be like a big thing. Like I want to grow. I want to make this my job. And so I was like, what is a name that rolls off the tongue? And you know what I do, and it kind of is universal. It doesn't lock you into one piece of content. Like, what, what do you name yourself then? I was like, my mom, I think, or my grandma was like, name it after you, duh. And I'm like, okay. And then one time I walked in my grandma's house and she was like, Mr. Matthew, how are you? And she just kept calling, she always calls me Mr. Matthew. Mm -hmm. uh, how are you doing, Mr. Matthew? What's going on, Mr. Matthew? That, and and um, then I was playing Call of Duty and one of my teammates, because I used to play competitively, he called me Maddie once. And then my one of my best friends, Tim, at the time, uh, he was like, hey, Maddie's actually a pretty good name. And so I was like, hey, what about Mr. Maddie? And they're like, Mr. Maddie just doesn't, it's good, but um, how do you know you're a gamer? I was like, Mr. Maddie plays. And right then and there, we were like, yeah, that's it. So gotcha. I, I just can't imagine changing it because there was such a process and a thought behind my name. I just can't. And mine had zero. <laughs> That's the cool thing between you and I. Mine was zero. A roommate from South America. He also called me Mister. It's strange you mention that. That's but wild. He would, he would call me Mister, and then my last name all the time. But he one time I came into his room and it was just, just it was just so gross. Cause he he was from a different world, man. And mm -hmm. I was kicking around his clothes as a joke. And he's like, you're like an angry, and he couldn't figure out what the creature was. And he said, horseman. And I'm like, centaur? And he's like, yeah, you're like an angry centaur roommate. And then that became our uh, rock band name. Gaming. A angry centaur roommate was the rock band name. And then once it um, went live, I did angry centaur gaming. And then for a while, I was just like, it has nothing to do with games. I didn't expect the channel to do well. And it did well. And then ACG just works because it's three letters. I, I swear to God, you can get away. And people even think I'm angry ca or always caffeinated gamer. Literally, the number of people who think that's what the ACG stands for is really high, and that fits so me because I'm pretty much always caffeinated. So, uh, three letters because I get you, Mr. Maddie's doesn't roll, but Mr. Maddie plays rolls down. Yeah. Like when you say it, it, it's perfect, and three letters always works. So, I can just you know, the EGM, IGN, ACG, those are they're pretty as just long as they don't the mean, yeah, and as long as they don't mean something dirty. Like, if mm -hmm. I called my channel A2M, I'd be in deep shit. <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily, I didn't. But, yeah, it's just, mine was completely on accident. Like, it was not, mm -hmm. it was not supposed to be anything. I wish it had. I wish I had thought about it more. I, oh, I just don't know what I would name it. Sorry, we only had two questions left, because Knucklehead had reposted his, his question about the, the driving. 
Um, he said reposting because of solo show last week. Well, we got you covered, Knucklehead. Uh, last question comes from one of my good friends, Doom Never. Who is the most consistent developer and publisher this console generation, good and bad? Mine is from Soft Sony. EA is consistently bad publisher. Is there a reason why you specified console? Can I uh, use a non console? Just this, this console generation. So I guess I more so I think it's the time frame, like this okay. PS4 to now uh, sort of period. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, Playway. 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 They do the um, simulator games, truck mechanic simulator, oh Euro my. truck simulator. It's wow. ridiculous. Go look at them on Steam. It's ridiculous. And they're, and they're mostly rated well. It's like hmm. we were joking about. I mean, we're talking like 25 titles all rated at like 75 and above. I mean, it's they're legit. That's good business. Yeah. And it's sort of like uh, Nordic in a way where it's not these huge titles. It's just these. They fit. And they've they've impressed me recently. Hmm. A consistently good developer. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Insomniac, just because they're on the brain right now. Um, and I'd say it's pretty accurate. You know, they went to Xbox. They did Sunset Overdrive, which is my favorite exclusive on that platform. Then they came back and they did Ratchet and Clank. I mean, they dabbled in VR a little bit, but then they did Ratchet and Clank which was one of my favorite PS4 exclusives, and I, I played and beat that game three times. And then they did Spider-Man, which is which is that and Bloodborne I go back and forth between being my favorite PS4 exclusive ever. So I think they killed it this generation. I think this was all their, all them, man. They, they, they did think so well. The only failure they've had was, I think, in the 360 when they made Fuse. Yeah, with the Fuse AI. was not a good shooter. Yeah. Yeah, the th- third-person shooter. That was, was like the, a squad-based remember- shooter, right? Yeah, dude, I remember playing and it the was... demo for it. I couldn't tell you a thing about it, though. I don't remember. Trust me, that's good for me and you both. <laughs> I'm going to look it up about this now because I like to torture myself. <laughs> it's it's not. But, yeah, Insomniac's a, a, a really good example of a, a big de- uh, public, or small, maybe not a huge developer, but big games continually successful. They made uh, the Resistance publisher. games, too, right? Y- yes. Yeah, holy crap, yes. That was PS3, but holy crap, yeah. I hope that comes back. Oh my god! Well, Killzone wasn't resi- wasn't it? Killzone oh, no, that was, was Killzone. Uh, that's di- that's was that Gorilla? Gorilla. Yeah, yeah. Uh, consistent publisher. I go with Namco, Bandai, or Nintendo. I guess this, I don't know if Nintendo counts. Nintendo should count, dude. They count, bro. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. The reason I say Namco, Nintendo Bandai is because they're not. I don't know if you could put them in the consistently good category. Like they made stuff like Jump Force. They've made some, their series of bad anime fighters. But what happens is all these games generate attention and hype because they very much, at least aesthetically and presentation-wise, look very true to their source material. Mm, and they yeah. serve the fans of that usually fairly well. At least in Dragon Ball, they've done pretty well uh, outside of Battle of Z. That I mean, instantly comes to mind. But, um, they, yeah, I'd, I'd probably more so err on the actual side of Nintendo, but I just feel like Namco comes up. Consistently bad. Yep, you took the word out of our mouths. EA, Konami. I mean, that's not really tough to think of. <laughs> that's just a shame. No. Um, yeah, that's yeah. There's no other ones that even come close to them. I was gonna say Sony as a publisher does pretty goddamn well. Yeah, yeah. That's you know? what he said as well. Sony's pretty good. Oh, is it? Did he say Sony? Yeah, he said FromSoft so- oh. Sony. Oh, I I got yeah. Oh, I heard FromSoft. I didn't think about the next part. Yeah, yeah. I would say Sony is. They're nailing it. It, it, it. Microsoft wishes they had the failures Sony had. Yeah. 
I think uh, consistently bad developer. uh, I got to be honest, it's probably Bioware. I I think they've. Oh, this has been their worst generation yet. Andromeda. Have they had Inquisition and Anthem? Those are all three complete duds. And those are all three of their main games, right? They don't have any others we're, we're missing, do they? No, no. Mass Effect 3 was 2012, I want to say. Um, oh, I guess you could say Inquisition wasn't as bad, because people people like it. I consider it bad, but, you know. That's true. Inquisition, I would give a, a you know, I could see somebody liking that a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to do in Inquisition. Not yeah. fun stuff for me, but there's a lot to do. Yeah, so maybe not a huge dud, but still, I think that their two most recent duds have been like astronomically bad where yeah uh they need to nail dragon age 4 and when you find out that the lead producer of anthem just left the guy who like coordinates everything and uh i think what was it the lead uh one of the producers on on dragon age 4 left as well it does not uh instill confidence in me personally but ladies and gentlemen that's all of your patron questions answered that took us just over an hour to do um, now that oh, we're damn. back and, and good to go, we'll be a lot more consistent here. We appreciate you guys understanding yeah. the situation with the show and firing away with all your questions, um, despite what was going on with the show. I really appreciate that. Uh, Carrick, any closing words, comments, thoughts? No, it's been awesome. You should do the theme. Uh, you should make sure that uh, the theme thing is po- like the you know movie questions. Uh, yeah. That, that thing. Or the like comic that, that's, or... Yeah. yeah, that's a good that's a good suggestion. So we can ask sure. them the questions and then they can answer and we can read those in the same breath. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, be very cool. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 216 of the Ham Radio Podcast. We appreciate all of you tuning in and we will catch you guys next Sunday or Friday maybe. Oop, I burped. Friday maybe? Who knows? Depends if you're a patron or not. We'll talk soon. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs>